Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, guys? Ryan Sprague here, and I'm just dropping in to remind you about our Patreon campaign. Somewhere in the Skies is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. So if you want to help the show on a monthly basis, we have tons of rewards for you in return, including shoutouts on the show and website, bonus content and episodes, and free merch. Want to be my guest or pick a topic for the show? You can do that too. So if you'd like to learn more and to help support the show, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you and keep looking up. Today on the show, we are counting down the top 10 Somewhere in the Skies interviews of 2021. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. What is up, guys? Ryan Sprague here, and welcome to my top 10. This is a very special live stream we're doing tonight to sort of cap off 2021, ring in 2022. And uh, we're going to go through my top 10 most popular interviews of Somewhere in the Skies in 2021. I've got some really cool clips from each of those interviews I'm going to be sharing with you guys. I'm going to have some guests coming in to kind of do some commentary on the clips and who we talk to what's been accomplished in the past year with UFOs and all that. It's going to be super fun. So first off, I want to thank all of you for joining me tonight and uh, taking part in this. This is going to be fun. Um, hello to Mons, Awaiting Aliens, um, Morcavi Studios. Aaron Desario's here. What's up, Aaron? Um, thanks for the support, guys. Michelle. Michelle is here. She's, um, I guess, somewhat close to one of the guests we're going to have tonight, but we'll, we'll get to that. I'm Lord Ludicrous Plaid with a 199 Super Chat already. Thank you so much, man. Um, all right. Hello, Mr. Crowley. Steve G. Dope knows. Um, everyone, thank you again for joining me. So without further ado, I'm going to bring in our first guest of the night. You know him. You love him. Some of you hate him, which I think is impossible to do. Um, so I'm going to bring him in right now. What is up, my man? Luis uh, it's Welcome definitely not impossible to hate me, Ryan. That is, <laughs> that is clear as day. You're somehow in the chat as well. I love this. You're so you can walk and talk at the same time, which Sometimes. I can't do. Sometimes. Very rare. What's happening, everybody? How you doing, Ryan? Thank you for having me, man. It's always a pleasure, my pleasure. To, to come hang out with you. Of course, man. And you've got a show coming up tonight as well, mm -hmm. so I'm not going to keep you too long. Yeah, um, when when you're done watching Somewhere in the Skies, or even halfway through, head, head on over, uh, what are you doing tonight? Is this um, part of your top ten? Yeah, we're doing number two. We're at number two, and number two uh, best interview of the year is going to John Ramirez. <laughs> Only because it's like one of our, it is our most watched episode ever. Um, so people really enjoyed it. Uh, it was very controversial. 
Uh, yeah. I feel like half of, I mean, actually, I mean, like people really like, like it gets got 98% likes. Um, most people liked it. Um, that's but, a good ratio, man. But yeah, it was like some people hated me. Some people hated rather. They were like, well, why are you guys asking so many questions? It's like, what do you mean? Why are we asking so many what? questions? There's some wild stuff being said. And it's like, <laughs> it's tough sometimes because, you know, you'll have somebody saying something absolutely crazy and you got to be like, whoa, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Let's stop right there. And and uh because that's an important detail of the thing that you just said and hey, people hate that it's like well you know maybe we should be I better well we try to be i mean like we're look compared to my first interviews compared to now i i am much much better at that but hey you know we learn live and learn oh uh, yeah. yeah if you go back to my couple of my first episodes unbearable i i don't know <laughs> how anyone listened to my show or started following me after that display but it is what it is man you live and yeah. learn yeah i'm unbearable yeah. now so i can i can totally relate <laughs> well john ramirez is awesome man that is a controversial one yeah. to say the least and that's kind of what we're going to be doing tonight is not going over controversy but uh my most downloaded interviews of this past year you know here on um somewhere in the skies we don't just do interviews i do audio docs where mm-hmm. I, I get to kind of stretch my playwriting and screenwriting muscles and write a story and get it out there um, on a lot of these UFO cases and, and topics. We also do witness accounts, which is where people like you who have come on the show to mm-hmm. tell your UFO stories. Um, so those are not going to be featured tonight, but I highly suggest anyone who wants to hear me blab for an hour and a half about a UFO case um, you got those and you've got the witness accounts episodes. Um, but yeah, we're going to be doing the top 10 tonight. I hope you can um, stick around for a, at least a few of those, Luis. But um, I want to talk yeah. some news, if you don't mind, before we get to the top 10. Um, a lot has happened in just the past week or so. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I did my 2021 uh, wrap up episode recently. And um, of course, a lot happened right after that aired. So I wanted to kind of go through those with you and get your thoughts on some of this stuff. If that's cool with you, my man. Yeah, let's do it. Cool. Uh, UFO Jane is here as well. Teleported to another show. (laughs) Love it. Love it. (laughs) What's happening, Jane? Jane might be one of those special guests tonight. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Mr. Crowley says, right. It's too hard to pick a favorite, bro. Couldn't do it. Oh, that's very nice. Mr. Crowley. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Well, let's talk about kind of the big story that happened just yesterday. Unfortunately, um, we had the unfortunate passing of Senator Harry Reid, dead at 82. I'm going to read a little bit about this before we um, I'm going to play a quick video to Luis, Um, United States Senator from Nevada from 87 to 2017. Harry Reid led the Senate Democratic Caucus and was the Senate Majority Leader from 07 to 2015. In 2007, Reid joined colleagues Ted Stevens um, and Daniel Inoue to invest $22 million in a clandestine Pentagon operation that would be called ATIP, the program we all know and love and will debate till the end of time. Um, the program investigated military reports of UFOs in other inexplicable area objects so harry reed we lost him man he was one of the heroes one of the people who really got things into motion in the past few years so yeah how did the news hit you and um yeah any any words you want to say on mr reed 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, it happened actually in the middle of one of our replays uh, mm-hmm. the other day. I think it was, uh, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, was it yesterday? No, it was the day before. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it sucks. It sucks. Um, I mean, I, I do know, you know, he lived a fruitful life. Uh, he was um, really good at his job. Um, and he just so happens to be a senator that, was a majority leader that was also into the topic of UFOs mm-hmm. so much so that he secured go down for sure in the, in the history books. Uh, if this turns out to be, you know, something that changes a uh, shifts a paradigm. Uh, I think which, it already has. Which, in, I mean, yeah, I think it has in, 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 in some ways, but like I'm, I'm talking about shifting paradigms, like, you know, having an, an entire college um, department dedicated right. to, you know, multiple college departments dedicated uh, to this topic, um, you know, and and funding and a lot more research and, and to see what's happening. And I I mean, it seems like we're going to we're going to get there, but we'll see. Baby steps, man. Well, yeah. you mentioned, um, you know, the work that has to be done, and that's kind of what he was all about. So, if you yeah. don't mind, I'm going to play this quick clip here from Mystery Wire. Excuse me, no, this was um, from KLAS uh, in Las Vegas with George Knapp interviewing Senator Harry Reid. So, I'm going to play that really quick, and yeah. we'll come back on the other side. This is an area that is important to not only our country but to the world, and I know that other countries are doing more than we're doing. And I think that um, that's not good. There are those who think we're on the edge of disclosure that any day now they're going to open up the doors and show us the saucers or open the Mm -hmm. files. Uh, I'm not as encouraged. What about you? I don't think I'm even close to that. I think before we get to um, that, I think we need to do a little work. And we're not doing enough scientific research. Um, And there are people hungry to do that. We have academics who are trained in all the sciences. Uh, a grant to a college would be a tremendous help. Have you had conversations with colleagues about the wisdom of letting all this loose? Is the public ready for it? Depends on what it is, I guess. I don't think that Congress can make this decision on their own. They could try to pass a law, but that would create a lot more problems than it would solve because a big public debate on this. I don't think at this stage would do a lot of good. Pentagon needs to get somebody within the Pentagon that's willing to do something that's a little different. Yeah, I love that last statement he made because I don't remember exactly when that interview was, but since then, um, if he could only, you know, see where we might be heading, he did get to see a lot of what's happening, the UAP task force coming into fruition, the report. Um, But even he has said it's not enough. He wants congressional hearings. He wants this thing hammered into uh, government in a proactive way of trying to discover and uncover what's actually going on. Well, just that and those statements came from a man that, you know, punched his father-in-law in the face, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> he, 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 didn't he, know that. he wouldn't let, he wouldn't let him date his daughter and turned out he ended up marrying his daughter. And that was, uh, you know, and condolences to his family and friends and people that knew him. And I'm, I'm, I'm just so, I was I was the first. I'll be honest with you, and I don't know if this is natural or not. But like the first thing I thought about was me. I was like, "Man, I'm bummed out. I didn't get to talk to him ever." Yeah. 
in person. Yeah. You know, like I would have loved to have spoken with him and, and, and Sean Rash and, and Max Moskowitz were, I think the last two interviews that he, That's he did. That's crazy. And after I saw their interviews, I was like, well, I don't, you know, why, why bother him? He's, he's just answered some really great questions. I don't have any new questions to ask him because he's, you know, he's very restrained when it comes to the UFOs. And that's what I mean. Like, it's funny. He, he was not a very restrainful senator. He went after what he believed in. He pursued it. He usually successfully administered it and got the votes for it, um, including, you know, OSAP and ATIP. And so, but it's funny how, just how restrained he was. He's like, we're, we're, we are a long ways away from seeing craft and bodies. You know, there's so many other things that have to happen. And yeah, I mean, he's, he set the path, you know, he really started did. the course, which is cool. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, well, let's move on to uncharted territories. If, if I may, for just a moment, yeah. we had a very awesome thing happen this past week, and that was the launch of the James Webb Telescope. Uh, so yeah. the James Webb Telescope will rocket into the cosmos and orbit nearly one million miles away from Earth. The telescope will spend five to ten years studying the formation of the universe's earliest galaxies, how they compare to today's galaxies, how our solar system developed, and, of course, the one we all want to know, if there is life on other planets um were you able to catch any of the the launch or anything louise i caught the a replay of it yeah it was exciting you know yeah. uh, it was it was super early for me i think it was like i think it the, the launch time was like five something in the morning oh you're right i always I forget you're on the west up. coast yeah, yeah. yeah i was gonna i don't yeah i mean <laughs> i just couldn't man um but I, I saw the replay and and there's still some steps that it has to go through to get into its final sort of process. But I heard this morning, uh, one of the good things is that the, I guess, however it powers itself was originally only supposed to last for five years. And yeah. because the launch was so successful, it actually doubled it to 10 years. So they'll That's be able amazing. to use a telescope for 10 full years. And then, I mean, my first thought was like, well, wait a second. This thing was only supposed to last for five years. That's it. Right. That's the only time we get to use this telescope. How is that possible? Maybe that information's wrong. I don't know. I got it off TikTok. No, no, no. I think you're right. I think <laughs> a lot of well, a lot of the energy that is probably used to get this thing out there is within the first few hours of getting it into space and everything. Yeah. So I could understand if everything went according to plan. Um, that they did have those backup plans of conserving the energy to move it further out. So 10 yeah. years uh, still doesn't seem like enough to me, but um, it's better than nothing. I, um, I I thought it was pretty cool. I actually have a small clip of um, when it got out into outer space and started to um, to actually detach. And like we did with the Mars rover landing on your show, um, I just felt the emotion when they when it finally happened and we they caught that on camera. So I'm going to play that really quick right here, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Cool. We'll begin uh, to uh, be followed carefully by the telescope controllers at the Mission Operations uh, Center, the MOC, as it's called, at the Space Telescope Science Institute in Baltimore. The upper stage uh, continues to function perfectly. It's been a uh, smooth ride for the James Webb Space Telescope. That upper stage uh, was loaded uh, pre-flight uh, this morning with 15 tons of propellant for this long 16-minute burn. 
now about 30 seconds away from upper stage cutoff. Just over a minute from now, Springs will gently push Webb away from the upper stage of the Ariane 5. As it moves further and further away from uh, the upper stage, uh, there'll be what uh, we refer to as a collision avoidance maneuver. Separation Webb Space Telescope. Go Webb! We do have confirmation of observatory separation. The James Webb Space Telescope amidst applause here in the Mission Control Center, now taking its first steps in pursuit of cosmological discovery. Okay. All right. <laughs> if I'm going to sound crazy here. But is that a CGI recreation of what we're, su- what we're supposed to be seeing? Someone said that in the chat here. Flarious because there's so CGI. many different camera angles that are so close to it. It seems... Okay. NASA recently posted the real video. Yeah, I don't think that's Thanks, real. Sir. It's the the graph on the lower uh, right uh, left hand corner that gives you the orbit of it is real, but I don't think that's what they were seeing from the mock. That's the the mission uh, something center. I can't uh, control administration. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but whatever that uh, that you know the control the control center essentially. Yeah, what you said. Um, it doesn't make sense that we would be getting all those angles. So I'm pretty sure that's CGI, but damn, I was thinking in my head, whew, we are so close to we'll not get being there. able to tell the difference between what we're looking at. Um, yeah. but I'm curious, Good did point. you think that was uh, the actual footage of it? Cause in um, the way they, the way they framed like the NASA and the live and what we're looking it, it made it seem as if, oh, this is actually the satellite. Am I crazy? Yeah. Am I? Am I? Or is that CGI? Everybody. Now that you're mentioning it, you're probably right. I mean, Aaron said it. Jazz said it. Um, they posted the real video on NASA. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But, We're gonna... but that's but that's the replay I saw too. And 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 for the, I was like, man, I kind of, I kind of want to see the real thing. Right. Even if it's like grainy or whatever. Yeah. Like, but that and that's a big you know theory on the moon landing that like yeah they staged it to. Sh- like make it clear and if anything really run- went wrong and um the real videos out there somewhere might yeah. exist who knows but i we're not getting into moon landing conspiracy <laughs> territory but, look, but like you said man like nowadays anything anything can be deep faked or cgi <sighs> so who knows who knows yeah have you seen that cj that deep fake tom cruise oh it's terrifying yeah it's hilarious he's hilarious though yeah yeah, that guy's pretty good. And, uh, you know, you have deep fakes, too, going on now. You and the whole crew over at Yeah, PCR. yeah, but not like like <laughs> that is a whole other level of deep fake. Like, that is yeah. like, oh, we could do this with the president kind of deep fake. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. or foreign dignitary. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Scary times, is. man. But exciting times, too. I can't wait to see what this this telescope accomplishes. This could be it. We could We could finally maybe get the answers we sought um, for so long or are seeking, I should say. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Aaron well, said, also... I sent you the link on Twitter. So Aaron put oh, that sweet. on my Twitter account if anyone wants to see the real one. Uh, well, they also, um, this is also the the farthest telescope that we've ever sent to orbit, correct? Correct, like yeah. yeah. It goes deepest in the space. Do you know what the distance is that it goes to? 
Oh gosh, no, I did no, not mark sorry. that down. Um, I'm sure somebody in the chat will tell us, but I mean, I, that's also it, really cool too. I thought that was just yeah. another cool little statistic. Nearly one million miles away, it's planning on going. Hmm. So wow, I don't that's, know. Yeah, well, it's pretty good. The I know that I think it still has to go. Is it completely stretched out yet? Because I know those the mirrors on it can't be off by it's literally less than a width of a hair not one mirror can be off that's crazy i I was like dude how do they do that you know like with all that rumbling in a rocket i don't care what you have it on the width of a hair that's can't be off by the width of a hair yeah no wonder these people are like under so much stress During the launch, yeah. the launch is always the hardest part. Um, yeah, I, I well, totally if this it. is not even so much the they got through the, the I thought the launch was the hardest part, but it's really the setting it up, like right. running well, it you mentioned diagnostics, making sure that it works, right? You mentioned the forms. Um, this has been called the transformer because it is going to go through many different forms to get to its final Optimus Prime, I guess, right? Or whatever that thing was, you know, in Power Rangers when all their things came together oh, the megatron was. megatron think, no, was it megatron no i think i i have things confused that's not the uh, it's uh i don't anyway. know yeah all those matter. shows blend together man matter. they really power do power rangers yeah, voltron power rangers voltron, superhuman samurai cyber squad <laughs> yeah yeah they all so they all blend together at this at this age it's already past the moon mr carly says that's awesome yeah. they got to stop on the moon see what's going on there That'd be sweet. Voltron. Awesome. Um, well, let's get to our last news story before we get into the top 10, my man. Um, yep. This was the bill. President Biden uh, signs U.S.'s new UFO investigation unit into law as part of the $770 billion defense bill. Um, the legislation requires the unit to report back to Congress the findings in annual and biannual briefings and reports. Um, what else here? It'll probe whether or not the strange craft that have been reported buzzing U.S. military uh, bases and locations are unknown technology from Russia and China or potentially something far more exotic. Um, there will also be briefings um, to kind of assess this. And they're also going to be looking into health related effects and um, and stuff like that. So here we go. It's signed Megazord. into law officially. Megazord was the name. Megazord. Megazord. There we That's go. The, yeah, thank you, Terry. Um, Good job, Terry. I, dude, I think this uh, we're we're in new waters right now. Um, we're gonna have to wait and see. I mean, a seven hundred and seventy billion dollar budget, right? Yep. You would think, and Jazz predicted this on the show almost a month ago. Um, you'd think you'd get at least a billion. Of that seven hundred seventy right. billion dollar budget, at at yeah. least, and that would be over. I'm thinking a multi year period. Don't know how many, three to four, three to five, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly, but it's a hell of a lot more than twenty million for five years. Yeah, this would be for like twenty billion for five years, or or one yep. billion for five years. Excuse me. Right. So stretch thin, yeah. Yeah, it's well. This this wouldn't be stretched in. This would have a legitimate budget. For oh, five right. Years, right. You know, if it was a billion, which, and it could be up to three, <coughs> which would be wild. You know, yeah. imagine if we get a three billion dollar um, UFO office. So, 
can you demystify this for me? Because I can plainly admit I haven't really looked too far into, um, you know, what the Gillibrand Amendment uh, accomplished. But are we looking at two separate offices? Yeah, well, you've got the AOI, you've got the AOI MSG right. uh, from the Pentagon side of things and right. Kathleen Hicks. And then you've got uh, the congressional approved NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Act, that has a, a budget now for a UFO office that hasn't been named yet. The budget hasn't been given yet. It's just literally been signed into law. So we should start seeing proposals for budget where the office is going to be, um, what what their the scope of their powers will be, who's going to be in the office, who's going to be the spokesperson, who's going to be the press person. Like, this is going to have a legitimate, it should at least have a legitimate sort of um, structure to it. So there's going to be right. two offices. That's two how you offices. get two offices. So, I mean, like, it, I, for me, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, two, I mean, people are afraid that the, the Pentagon office isn't going to be as um, transparent. Okay. So what? Yeah. Great. Um, yep. You know, that's we've got another office that we could publicly hold accountable because now we've given tax dollars to it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and the people in the government will be held accountable as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's great. Um, Biden signed the bill. Good vibes. Um, There was a question here. Oh, Terry said, should we contact our senators for a bigger budget? Is that something uh, you want to take the lead on? Luis, I mean, I don't in know. The coming year? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't know if it's necessary. I think that's going to be determined as as an important sort of role like they're gonna look i mean you're talking about uh you know i think two three thousand page bill it's insane it's a it's a large large bill maybe even bigger than that and it's you know like jazz said it's you know all of the budget for the entire military so everything you know the cups the pencils the pens the mops the wrenches the 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 plane all of it all of it so, um, so yeah, you know, it, it's going to be a level of importance thing, but don't be surprised, you know, if you get three to 5 billion, you know, yeah. I think, I think some of the lower budgeted things in the NDAA and in, in the time frame that you could go back and historically look at it, all of the lower budget programs get about that. Yeah. So, good point. you know, don't be shocked if it turns out to be something around there. Yeah. And, we're at the um, table. You know, I'm sure. I'm sure if if Jazz comes, he'll he'll I'm sure fill you in a lot better than I can. But uh, yeah, I'm going to get his thoughts on that for sure. He's in the chat here as well. Let's see what he said. As of this morning, there will be one office, but it will be AOI MSG. But the Gillibrand creation will absorb it. Interesting. Okay. The Gillibrand will. Um. See, I I saw this. Um. D.D. Johnson is breaking the news about it today. Okay, yeah. I got to look at that. I saw something about that, and I was waiting for D.D. Johnson to to confirm it. And hmm. that's interesting. If the Gillibrand Amendment absorbs, then that means it's no longer in the hands of the Pentagon. Right. Or is it now yeah. in the hands of the Pentagon? Because from my understanding, and when we were talking, is that both of these offices have no jurisdiction over one of an, one the one or the other so uh, that's now what they're kind being of, melded into one that's yeah that concerns on. me i mean a part of me is like oh that could be good because the stuff in the amendment 
um, could hold them accountable for doing much more, getting much more out. But at the same time, are they being absorbed so that then whatever Gillibrand wanted won't happen now that it's part of the AOI MSG? It's it's so confusing, man. And I feel like every day we get a little bit more... Yeah, but that's all right. right. I mean, like it's breaking news. We don't have the details on it yet, but but my 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 understanding as when it was signed, there was two separate offices. Right. Um, but that's now, too, yeah. it, you know, it seems like they're going to be melded into one. I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll one, see. I'm, um, I'm curious to know what Jazz says. Yeah, we'll definitely get his thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, awesome, man. Um, oh, one more question here you might be able to answer. Um, did they include annual unclassified reports in the final version? I believe they did. There will be a report mm-hmm. every October, yep. right? Is October that 31st right. of every year. Okay. Awesome. Hey, I'll and take it. And then there'll it. be four congressional, uh, um, classified congressional um, hearings, or not hearings, hearings. But, but discussions. Yeah. Discuss- right. Right, right. This will not be. Unfortunately, we'll get there. Congressional hearings will come down the pike. Um, All right, my man. Well, let's do it. Let's get into the top 10 interviews on Somewhere in the Skies. Um, I know the time is winding down for you to be with us. So let's go right into um, number 10 here. We have got at number 10. This was episode 218 of Somewhere in the Skies, UFOs 2021 Part 2 with Christina Gomez. Um, Christina Gomez of The Debrief joined us to talk about some of her favorite UFO cases of the ancient past, including one from Japan in 1803. So this was pretty cool. And this case's possible connections to other cases in modern ufology. So I'm going to go ahead, Luis, and play a small clip here and get your thoughts on the other side. In February 22nd of 1803, this really strange looking boat um, washed ashore in Japan in the Hitachi province. And it it was something that these fishermen at the time had never seen before. It was disc shaped vessel. You know, it had windows, it had metal bands below it. And it looked kind of like, like a, like a rice bowl in, in a sense, like a rice pit. So that's the best way they could describe it is because they have that already in their country, a rice pit. Otherwise, how else would you describe it if you don't know what it is? So when that, when this craft landed on shore um they saw inside of it that there were these really strange writings etched in the wall like very unusual fabric never seen before in japan at this time bed sheets carpet but there's also a passenger on this on this ship a young beautiful woman she had red hair pale pink skin red eyebrows and she wore a long garment made of a material that again wasn't known to these Japanese fishermen what's so fascinating about this story is this woman we're like oh maybe maybe she could have been Japanese but red hair was not a thing in Japan having pink colored skin is still not a thing anywhere in the world. So when these fishermen tried to speak to her in Japanese, she didn't understand what they were saying. And they were so frightened of this woman because they didn't, they didn't want to have bad luck, right? They're more, they were more superstitious at this time. 
And what later on from the writings in several books that were only written about 20 years later after this incident, um, they believed symbols that were etched in the wall in this rice pit craft could also be compared to some of the alien symbols from Roswell, New Mexico. How credible is that? We don't know. We don't have the craft. But from what was documented in the three books that were written about this Utsurubune incident, those researchers that went back to it, from pre- like present-day researchers that went back to um, this 1803 story, were able to f- somehow find a correlation between the Roswell incident and that one in Japan. Again, we don't really know. It's all speculation. But I find that really fascinating altogether, that from something 200 and something years ago could somehow be stitched, in, stitched into one of the most famous stories of all time. All right. So that was number 10. We had Christina Gomez. And what an interesting story. I'd heard about this Japan case, um, but I didn't know the specifics of, you know, what would act, what was actually seen and how mm. it was interpreted. Um, and we have someone in the chat here, Effie Privet, saying this reoccurring pyramid with circle symbols are interesting and confusing. So, yeah, this was a really fun interview. Um, Christina was kind of new on the scene at the time. She was so nervous to, like, be on the show. And I told her, like, I'm just as nervous as you are. I'm nervous right now doing this, man. And I, I <laughs> always am. It never gets easier for me. And I'm, a, I'm an actor like you. Like, I've, I've That's wild in front to of thousands you, of people. I'm, su- I'm surprised that you, you, you do still get nervous when you do these shows. That is a I little do. surprising. I, I think it's my self-esteem. Um, and I just take it as, like, energy and, like, excitement. And it kind of gets me more more uh, passionate, I guess, um, if I'm yeah. not, like, vomiting before I come out on stage <laughs> or on onto these streams. But, um, wow, that really went on a tangent. What did you think about um, Christina's comments there on the case and... Do you think there could be connections with cases in like the ancient times and today? Um, first thing I thought about was, damn, she's such a good researcher. Like, right? She, she, that's the first thing that popped in my head, and and um, and she doesn't get enough credit when she goes into cases like that uh, and how well she researches them. Um, yeah, I think there definitely is. I don't know if it's a connection, but. Um, I think there are, it wouldn't shock me if there were more ancient cases like this. I mean, we've, Oops. we've, we've sort of seen and heard from them, especially on ancient aliens, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think there's, um, I guess one of two things sort of happening there. I mean, but uh, to find an occupant, that's the thing that sort of sh- sticks out, too, is a red-haired occupant. And she does bring up the really good point of red hair is not a thing in Japan even now, yeah. like let alone pinkish sort of skin. Um, so It's interesting. It's yeah. cool. It's very, I mean, very cool. To me, it seemed like how they interpreted it and like what came to mind for me is like, was this some sort of like, vessel from like ireland like that when i imagine red hair i'm like oh yeah you mean literally everyone in ireland or yeah you know in that area um i don't know we'll never truly know but the fact that like 
the symbols kind of coincided with symbols found on the Roswell wreckage or even in the um, on the craft at Rendlesham Forest in 1980. That really does make me wonder, are we just kind of making patterns out of things that aren't really there or have these craft with unknown pilots of origin like been visiting us for centuries and centuries? I don't know, but it was a fascinating discussion. We we really ran the gamut on that one, everything from ancient aliens to, you know, Christopher Columbus even seeing a UFO right before he got to the new world. And what could yeah. that mean? Were they kind of guiding him? I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was a fascinating topic and um, discussion. So if anyone wants to check that one out, it's at um, number 218 in the archives at Somewhere in the Skies. And um, before we get to the next one, man, mm-hmm. um, I just want to let everyone know who's watching right now. Um, go to at Somewhere Skies on Twitter and retweet the pinned tweet at the top. Um, that is the tweet for this live stream. And uh, you'll be put into a raffle to win some sweet Somewhere in the Skies merch um, or a signed book of Somewhere in the Skies as well. And also the super chat and super stickers are open if you want to help the show out. Um, portions of those uh, super chats today will go to the Women's Refugee Commission here in New York City who help, uh, help misplaced youth and women um, who are having a hard time making new lives in America. So, yeah, if you want to help them out and help out the show, Super Sticker, Super Chat is open. Um, and, yeah, I guess anything else you want to bring up about Miss um, Christina Gomez, one of our newest UFO researchers, before we move on? She likes ramen. She, Dude, she came out with her first article at the debrief today, and it's about ramen. It makes perfect sense now. Yep. Yeah, she's a she's a gem. Yep, she's awesome. Well, this next person is a gem as well. Um, I love this guy. I don't know if you caught this interview, man. This was a really, really interesting one. I want to make sure I have this in order, right? Yes, I do. Um, this will be so. I had a special agent in former AFOSI agent on the show, former FBI, um, who told some of the craziest stories I've ever heard about things he uh, experienced. Um, And his name is Walter Bosley. I'm going to give a little brief thing here. We talked about his career with the FBI and Air Force Office of of Special Investigations, the crazy journey he went on as he climbed the levels of classification, UFOs, and his perspectives on Richard Doty, who held a similar position as Walter did within the Air Force. Um, So, I don't know. Were you able to catch this one at all? This is one of my longest episodes. I think it cost me three and a half hours. I can't remember if I did... Because I've watched a lot of stuff this year, but I feel like if you play it, if I recognize a person, then I'll know if I I saw it. Let's do it. I'm going to go right into the clip with Walter Bosley. This is him talking about Richard Doty. Um, For those of you who don't know, he is former AFOSI as well. And he did some really shady stuff back in the 80s um, with this guy named Paul Benowitz who was reporting that he was seeing UFOs over an Air Force base. And instead of like kind of brushing it off, uh, the Air Force sent this guy out, Richard Doty, to mess with this guy and like literally scrambled his brain until he was like insane and paranoid beyond comprehension, all to keep national security safe because right. this guy, Benowitz, had uncovered like secret, uh, I think it was like transmissions or codes that the Air Force base was using and the NSA was mm-hmm. using. 
So they kind of like fed him all this alien stuff and said like there's an invasion coming, like to the point where the guy had to be, you know, put into like a, a hospital, a mental institution. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna play this right now. Walter Bosley's thoughts on Richard Doty and what he thinks about that whole thing. When I was a new agent with OSI, and um, I was talking to my boss, boss says about the project I told you about the concern for our foreign agents using the American UFO community to get to our stuff. Um, Richard Doty, for the first time I'd ever heard his name was brought up as a cautionary tale. They said, Hey, there was this agent, agent Richard Doty who embarrassed the air force and pissed off headquarters. And um, so you've got to be careful with this UFO world stuff. And I said, Oh, absolutely. It, uh, you know, my project had a definite focus that fit within national security directives it was aimed at foreign intelligence agents that kind of thing so it was it was very specific it had nothing to do with messing with americans you know lying to americans about anything i was totally looking at foreign nationals and uh he was brought up as the cautionary tale and that was the first time i'd heard about him so you know over the years as um in my downtime i would be you know, looking at UFO stuff, I would see the name pop up. And then I learned, you know, I had learned about the, heard about the Benowitz thing. And then in 2004, um, I met Greg Bishop at one of David Childress's conferences in Kempton. Yeah. Kempton, Illinois. And we hit it off. And at that time, around that time, um, I read his uh, book. I think, yeah, it had come out in 03 or 01. Anyway, shortly after I met Greg, I read project beta and, um, it's like I told Greg, I said, as far as Doty is concerned and as far as what happened with, uh, to, this is just to begin with, as far as what happened, I kind of reserve certain judgment because I nor anyone else in our community has seen the OSI file on the whole Benowitz thing. And as a former agent and somebody that's been in that business, I know better than to um, cast judgment when I haven't seen that file, because I guarantee you there's going to be things in there that people would find enlightening uh, as regards OSI and Special Agent Doty and whatever it is he did or didn't do. Now, that said, you know, when you read the book, the Benowitz book, there's obvious things in there that from the perspective of a former OSI agent, I looked at and thought, geez, what the you know, what's going on. But as I read it and learned more, like most of you, you know, through uh, Greg's book, but coming from my unique perspective of having been an insider, um, I came away from that. I told Greg this years ago, and I stand by this. People always want to jump to Doty because they have a face and a name. But I really came away convinced that the culprit in the Benowitz affair was the NSA. Ooh. Yeah. So that was crazy, man. Um, I, and you know, a lot of people, this was one of my most contentious episodes. A lot of people were like, I don't believe a word this guy's saying. I don't even think he worked for who he did. I can say right now, I vetted him extremely carefully. All of his credentials checked out. Um, and yeah, yeah. So it's like a, almost a four hour episode, I think of his just crazy journey through all of this, but yeah. What did you think about um, his thoughts on Doty and 
placing the blame on the NSA and not just this one man. I mean, he was just, he was doing his job in one way, as Doty yeah. would say. But a lot of people, even Elizondo, have said he did not need to go that far. And he was definitely working without, you know, outside of the purview of the NSA on doing this. Yeah. What do you think, man? Um, I mean, my first instinct was that it feels like the Air Force throwing shade at the NSA. Or, or at least maybe putting blame on a different part of the the uh, the apparatus other than the Air Force because they, of course, are trying to protect the shield. Um, right. I've never heard anybody claim that Doty's not the person to blame. Although I, I something did ring true about how he said. <clears throat> that Doty is a person. He's there. He's you know he's an easy target uh, for people to get upset with. Um, but I mean, he did say at the top of of his comments that that when he was entering uh, the the position that they used the Doty tale as a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's he's kind of yeah. it's almost like he's saying two things there yeah yeah i'm this you know and i can fully admit walter is a a friend of mine i have Mm. met him i've done conferences with him um i respect a lot of the information he brings forward uh but a lot of what he said you just gotta take it face value and he doesn't you know he doesn't fault anyone for that me especially um but i had him on to tell his story and uh People are still talking about it today. A lot of people in the chat are like, how did I miss this one? Yeah. Um, and some people saying they believe him and some saying they don't believe a word of it. Well, so. you know what? I haven't seen that interview. So yeah. I got to go back yeah. and watch it because now it's piqued my interest. I'm, one, I'm curious to, <laughs> to know Dude, what else he's got to say. You want to hear one other thing he brought up? That, mm. they, that within one of the programs he worked in, they would use, um, they would bring people back from the dead to interrogate them for information. I'm not kidding you. He brought that up in the interview. And I I was like, I didn't even know what to say at that point. And then when he went a little yeah. further into it, I'm like, oh, okay. That kind of makes sense. But yeah, no, yeah it was like a, you gotta listen to it. It's um, again, wild. for anyone who hasn't watched yeah. or listened, it's episode 219 in the archives. Yeah. Well, listen, man, um, all these clips are like three minutes long. We're getting down to you got to go get ready for your show. But there's two things I'd love from you before you go. If you have yeah. just a couple more minutes, yeah, um, I want to know, Luis Jimenez, um, what was your favorite UFO story of 2021? What was like the thing that made you think we made progress this year and we're headed in a good direction? Anything really stick out to you? I mean, there's a few things that stick out. Um, I'm trying to think of my favorite one. Um, I think the Gillibrand Amendment is probably my favorite thing uh, mm. to come out this year, uh, just just because of the the detailed orientedness of it. <laughs> you know how how and how it really puts uh, the power within the hands of this office, whatever this office is going to be um through budgets you know mm-hmm. actually putting these the FBI the CIA the NSA who air force navy army like you guys have to hand over this information or we might start cutting some of your budget um 
money talks in yeah. in this in in this world and so nobody wants a budget cut so who knows man me i'm for me that was the most exciting thing is is a recognition and a law that was suggested that would encourage more information to come out about the the uap phenomena and yeah i think that's my favorite hands down it's huge i love that it's huge yeah all right, I'm putting you on the spot here to wrap things up um, here at Somewhere in the Skies with you, my man. UFO researcher or UFO personality of the year. I know you oh. took part in a uh, award show yesterday, so I know <laughs> awards are fresh on your mind. Yeah. So who Funny. wins? That was fun. We should we should definitely give a shout out to our friends. <sighs> oh over my there. gosh! That one time Bri, I was abducted. Yeah, Bree and Jamie over there at that one time I was abducted that was, by a UFO. One of the funniest by things I've ever uh, seen. Yeah, it absolutely insane. They nailed it. They killed it. Yeah, it was funny. It was pretty yeah. damn funny. Well, who <coughs> you got, my man? Who are you gonna put on that pedestal? Ooh, us, there's a couple of like, um, you know, I mean, I, I I feel like John Greenwald could win it every year. <laughs> Good um, one. Almost Good like. One. Almost like Michael Jordan or LeBron James should have won MVP every year, but for some reason they'll give it to somebody random. Um, you know, I had mentioned Christina Gomez um, earlier, and I think she's she's going to be up there in the next year or two um, as as one of the best, if not the best, out there. Um, this year, I think the work that I really enjoyed the most was Dee Dee Johnson's. Nice, like I, I Dee Dee Johnson as every single time. He tweeted something. I was like, oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, this is interesting. Um, so I think, you know, I mean, Brian Bender, you know, uh, there's a lot of really great researchers out there yourself. Um, uh, you know, the, the Tim McMillan. Um, there's a lot of folks that come to mind. Like when when, when I think of, of people that are putting out some really great work that that progress uh the discussion but yeah if i had to pick one this year for me it was dd i love it that's yeah. awesome and uh aaron did mention luis is the personality of the year i recently <laughs> did a live stream not a live stream a podcast episode with micah hanks and jason mcclellan and we picked our funny. ufo researchers of the year and you were one of three chosen along <laughs> with avi Loeb. And uh, Alex Dietrich, man. So yeah. congratulations. It thanks, well, well deserved. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. No, I, your, your words were very kind. Um, it's funny. I, I, I've got a lot of love here. And like these award shows or these shows that, you know, are, are, are putting together the, 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 the most fun voices of the year or whatever. And, and there's been a couple and it's been catching me way off guard <laughs> way <laughs> off guard so i appreciate it man uh you you're making me blush uh thank <laughs> you it was it was a fun year um i can't wait to see what this year brings um we're just gonna keep on with the philosophy of you know taking the topic seriously but not ourselves and and having fun with the topic so you know i love that we'll see what happens it. with that formula well, tell us what happens next, man. Let us know where we can find everything you're up yeah. to and uh, all that jazz. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just Google the unidentified celebrity review and you'll find our show. Um, everybody is always asking, why is it called that? Because I'm an actor. Nobody knows who I am. I'm an unidentified celebrity. 
and I review UFOs. So I love that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you can you can Google me there. You'll find all my stuff. You can find me at Lou Angeles on Twitter. Um, and uh, yeah, we go. We do shows every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. So uh, come check us out. It's a lot of fun. Check it out. Awesome, my man. Well, hey, go. I know you got a live stream to to go to, so um, yeah. I'm going to say good night. Thank you for joining me. I really appreciate your my time, pleasure. And everything you do, and um, give my best to Michelle and Happy New Year. I will, man. Ditto. Um, and congratulations again on on uh, your your engagement, and yeah, Happy New Year. We'll Thank see. You. We'll Thank see you in this new year, my man. Awesome. Keep looking up, right. brother. Peace. Bye. Awesome. That was Luis Jimenez coming in to help us before he gets ready for his own show. He's always willing to do things like that. And I, I can't thank him enough for that. Um, and obviously everyone in the chat loves him as well. Getting a lot of love here. Luis is wonderful. His personality is infectious. Literally puts me in a better mood. I couldn't agree more. That's why I love watching UCR five times a week. It is my um, news cycle as it were in this topic. So I love it. Mr. Crowley says, good night and happy new year, Lou. Yeah, everyone's showing the love. So thank you. Thank you so much, Luis. Um, we're going to have a few more special guests joining us in just a little bit um, within the next five minutes or so. But we're going to move to actually number, uh, th- uh, excuse me, 10, 9, number 8 on our countdown of the most popular interview on Somewhere in the Skies this past year. Um, and that was with uh, paranormal researcher Zelia Edgar. Um, Zelia shares her top three favorite UFO cases and then dissects some of the high strangeness and folkloric aspects of UFOs and their supposed occupants. Um, then Zelia and I, we dove deep into the works of John Keel, Jacques Vallée, and Ivan T. Sanderson, rounding out our conversation with the connections between UFOs, the paranormal, and cryptid creatures. Um, but One of the most interesting things we talked about in the interview was actually um, what could an alien's clothing have to say about the origins and the purpose of said aliens? It was really interesting, really fascinating. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, play number eight here for you. The Flatwoods Monster was this big you know it was kind of almost robotic in nature and there's a lot of people debating what it actually was you know was it on some sort of hold off psychological experiment from the world wars was it possibly you know on some sort of monster who really knows but either way what occurred to me as i was writing about this case is how very robotic the witnesses described this being and it hit me i was suddenly like you know truthfully this is what we should be looking for this is what we should be seeing um if indeed all you know, UFO sightings and UFO occupant sightings are due to extraterrestrial biological entities. And, you know, then it started occurring to me that on the flip side, when most people report UFO occupants, they are reporting these, you know, things that are wearing no sort of protective gear, no, you know, respiratory equipment. And I know this is a very simplistic view on what could be an incredibly, incredibly advanced civilization. Um, But again, it just kind of stood out to me. And then I started looking at, okay, well, what are they wearing? And time and time again, you get these encounters that seem a lot more in line with fairy lore. Um, I mean, Simonton's, again, is a perfect example. You have these um, little men wearing black knit caps um, in uh, the Honeycutt Encounter of 1955 in actually Loveland, Ohio, um, where the frogman was sighted years later. There were the the sighting of these three um, asymmetrical, 
almost gnome-like creatures, and they were wearing um, what appeared to be almost like tunics or something like that. So you see these details over and over again. And then, too, the really intriguing thing to me is that you also start seeing trends. Like a big trend in the 60s, you see a lot of these UFO occupants wearing what they described as boiler suits. And so my interest here, because, um, again, I do, I think that there may there is a huge connection to paranormal phenomena, um, especially UFO occupants and the subconscious of the witness. Um, however, I think that, you know, this might even be a way to kind of nail down what is um, something that we are influencing, what is something malleable, what may be a construction or projection um, that's being shaped by the observer, and what is genuinely something else. So, you know, maybe when we see these trends, is that just the culture of the time kind of shaping these different these different scenarios? Or is it indeed, possibly in the case of these boiler suit entities, is that just the genuine entity right there? Um, and then too, you know, even now today, we the gray is definitely the symbol of our time. And another intriguing thing is that a lot of people, a lot of abductees and experiencers um, will even claim that the grays almost appear to be a suit. Um, not that they're wearing a protective suit, but that they are the suit or they are the drone. So yeah, this, this is just one little tiny aspect of the phenomenon that is just incredibly intriguing. Yeah, that was definitely um, one of the highlights of the year for me, having Zelia on. She really uh, stretched my brain when it came to UFOs and biological UFOs and all the work of Keel and Valet and, you know, one man's fairy of yesteryear is this man's gray this year. Um, and that last thing she said about, um, you know, the grays possibly being a suit, uh, that really shook me. I remember, you know, watching the communion movie and um, I think it was fire in the sky as well, um, where we kind of saw that what we know is the alien gray, big black eyes and you know, round head and everything. It was merely just a shell, a, sh a suit for whatever was actually inside there, whether it was an actual being of some sort or an energy, uh, but the gray being the suit itself. I found it very fascinating. Amazing discussion with Zelia. So I hope you guys will check that out um, in the archives again. That was number 199 of this past year. And uh, we are going to move on to our next in the countdown. But before we do that, um, I'm going to bring in our next special guest of the night who was so nice and kind to do this last minute. Um, so yeah, you know her, you love her. UFO Jane. How are you? Hey, hey, hey. I have, I feel wonderful today. I sound like death. I look like death, but <laughs> I, I feel, I feel great. You know, after you, the one really good thing when you're sick is you realize how amazing it is to not be sick. <laughs> you're like, wow, I could be getting so many things done. So yeah, I feel like a superhero today, even though I, but hopefully I'll, I'll look more like it in 2022. Oh, but gosh. I'm so, it's so fun. I'm so excited to be here with you to celebrate your top 10 episodes. And I know I also got to talk through the top stories of 2021. Yeah, so, you're becoming our list yeah. person here. Yeah, at yeah it's, it's an honor. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. thanks for having me. My absolute pleasure. Um, well, I'm glad you're feeling better, first and foremost. Uh, how were your holidays? The holidays were great. I felt awesome, and then I must have just, you know, worn myself out um, seeing family and friends and staying up late and drinking cider. <laughs> I know that. But, yeah, it was yep. 
it was great. How about you? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I, I don't so think you gave an update yet on your. I've been traveling a lot um, in the past mm. week and a half or so on some um, top secret projects. Unfortunately, I'm not allowed to really talk about just Bummer. yet. Um, but I'm in New York for a very short amount of time before I head off to the next um, leg of this this in thing I'm doing, which I will be able to share with people soon. I promise. I'm not trying to be too vague. But um, I'm home, and I decided why not do one of these. I thought it'd be really fun to look back because I know you as well as a content creator. Um, it's sometimes hard to like appreciate what we've done before. Yeah. Um, I spend so much time thinking about next week's episode and what's to come that I don't really reflect on what I did this past year and what I discovered yeah. and learned. So I thought this would be a cool way to do that. I don't know. Is that just me or do you run into that? Oh, well? 100%. And I always have intention to putting together clips to, so that I can preserve some of those like really special moments and things like that. And yeah, it's challenging and I'm actually working on a similar video for the channel, for my channel to try to preserve <laughs> some of those moments just like you're doing here. And yeah, I think that's the only way, the only way to do it is um, have to put in the effort <laughs> to, to remind ourselves and reflect on it because it is really cool. And then of course, all the people here in the live chat and all the viewers along the way who've, um, been there for all these moments and then and then to get to relive them with us again it's it's pretty it's pretty special i think especially too i think this community is going to get bigger and bigger every year so in some ways it's extra special now to have these moments and to make sure that we don't lose sight of them because it's going to get i think it's going to get really fast paced mm -hmm. <laughs> soon and there's gonna be more and more people involved so oh yeah, yeah we well i mean one of those people who has been heavily involved in the past couple of years um has been on some uh different shows with you as well um and he's He's one of those guys that you just can't help but listen to every word he says and hang on it. And he's actually with us right now as well. So I'm going to bring in our other special guest of the night, Mr. Jazz Shaw. Oh, Happy holidays, my man. How are you? Happy holidays to you guys, too. Thanks for inviting me. It's It's been a crazy week. It has. I know. Yeah, I know. You have um, you've had some stuff on your plate recently, and um, I'm sending all my best to you and and the family. Same with you, Jane, and yeah. everyone. Um, it's been a crazy time, I think, in everyone's personal lives um, with everything going on in the world. And um, thank God there's this one topic that the three of us and everyone in the chat can come together and have amazing conversations. So I'm, I'm so happy to have you both here with me. So thank you. Thank and thanks for having us. And I will point out, by the way, for everybody who doesn't know, back when I was just doing like mainstream journalism about UFOs before I got into the whole UFO Twitter thing and before I had my first experiences, Jane was the person who published my first UFO video when I had my wife and I had our first experience. And so I've been in touch with her ever since. But she was the first one who took my video and put it out there on the Internet. And 
you know, like invited me to go talk about it, which I was very uncomfortable doing initially, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, uh, but no, Jane's been a, a great friend. Awesome. No, we are, we're so happy to have you, man. Um, well, Hey, we're doing the top 10 episodes of somewhere in the skies interviews. I should say, um, there's a lot more to somewhere in the skies than just interviews, but these were the ones that really stuck out to me. They were the most downloaded interviews of the year. And I'm happy that you guys hopped in now. Cause we're, we're getting into some really, really good territory that I think you both will be able to, um, to reflect on. So I'm going to go ahead. If you guys don't mind, um, each of these clips I have from the shows are about two and a half to three minutes long for anyone in the chat that wants to, you know, prepare for that. And for you guys as well. Um, so I'm going to go ahead to number, I think this is number seven. If I'm not mistaken, I'm all messed up. Yep. We're going to number seven. So this is a gentleman who has written for, the debrief he has been interviewed um i believe by both of you at some point in in ufo history but this is pulitzer prize winning new york times reporter and co-author of the now famous new york times article ralph blumenthal blumenthal walks us through the decades-long journey of writing the definitive biography on the life and career of harvard physicist dr john e mack so i'm going to play that clip and i'm going to get your guys thoughts on the other side what what do you want people to take away with the book and sort of the uh, the legacy of John Mack? You know, like I mentioned earlier, we have these small snippets of him and in interviews and everything. So unless you knew him in your life, uh, you don't get that full picture of who this guy was. So what legacy do you think Mack really mm. brought? That's a really good question, Ryan. Um, well, um, I, I think what I take away from it is a story of, First of all, as I say at the end of the book, um, Mac exemplified the best of our species, meaning the human race. Uh, he was a human being who um, insisted on following clues uh, to a mystery and would not be put off. Um, in that sense, he, I, I call him a hero. And I think he went on a hero's journey, the classic um, hero's journey, of uh, initiation, obstacles, and uh, eventually, uh, uh, and, and reluctance to shoulder the task. And finally, uh, some kind of triumph where he returns with a gift for humanity, which is the knowledge that he acquired. Um, so in that sense, I consider him a hero. Um, he was a flawed hero. He made mistakes. He was, he was very much of a human being. He had warts. He was too enthusiastic. He had uh, problems with his marriage. He uh, played around with drugs uh, to enhance his mind. Um, he was not perfect. But I think he was um, a model uh, for people who encounter a mystery and are determined to you know, run it back to its source. Whatever the uh, obstacles, whatever the ramifications, the penalties. He paid a lot of penalties. He was laughed at. He was ridiculed. Uh, he paid thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars in legal fees uh, you know, during the Harvard investigation. Um, but um, um, I think there was something very much admirable about the way he went about uh, not turning his back, you know, on this mystery. And because it was... It, it subjected him to the ridicule factor. And it was like the third rail 
you know, touching the third rail for a, a, a distinguished academician to, to take on this field. And yet he did it anyway. Um, so I think that's what I take away. So, yeah, that was, um, that was one of my favorites as well. Uh, I was very nervous to interview Ralph Blumenthal, to be completely honest, probably more than a lot of the interviews I've done. Um, again, like the dude lives maybe, maybe 25 minutes away from me. Um, but I, I, I was too nervous to go in person to interview him. So we did it over, over the old stream yard. But, um, yeah, what did you guys think? Did either of you have a chance to read the book that Blumenthal came out with? And what are your personal thoughts on John Mack and his work? Whoever wants to go first. Go ahead, Jane. Well, yeah, I, mean, I don't know that I have anything particularly valuable to add. More just reactions like everybody. I mean, I do. I love the idea of John Mack, just like anybody. I What sticks out to me are more so witnesses. You know, he's brought forward right and their testimonies and that's i mean how can how can that not be how yeah i mean it's hard i don't like saying hero <laughs> i like that he mm. said flawed, flawed human though you know and made sure to point that out but yeah i mean he definitely stands out you know especially if disclosure plays out like we're guessing it will you know, as time goes on, I think he'll stand out more and more, you know, as a hero and be more and more vindicated. Um, as far as, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking to Mac, but I haven't actually had, had the chance to interview um, Ralph. And I know I would be the same way. I'm sure, Ryan, I could I could even see myself um, willing a virtual <laughs> interview. <laughs> Yeah. versus an in-person one uh just so i can get my thoughts together but um, yeah. yeah it's hard i mean i, I mean I, talking I, to ralph yeah, is, please, is is um intimidating because of his background uh i i did i i liked his take on john mack and, and the history there um was he a flawed messenger sure um how many of us can look back at our own history and not find places where we have fallen short or where we've done things that people right. might judge harshly. Well, except Ryan, of course, the nicest person in right. all of ufology <laughs> who's never done anything wrong. But yeah. all the rest of us have have all, you know, have stumbled and, and done things people might find questionable. Um, I, I, to this day, don't agree with all of the conclusions that John Mack drew. Um, but then again, we're talking about a subject where we're not at the point yet where we know what all the answers are. You can't go, oh, it turned out you were wrong because a lot of the biggest questions, we still don't have answers yet. And I, I think he was in many ways inspirational. I think he was flawed. I think he was a very human person, but he put himself out there. And I think uh, Ralph Blumenthal's analysis of his work was definitely worth a look by anybody and i'm not gonna sit there and go oh you should be a a, a mac advocate or you should be a mac mm -hmm. decrier you know or anything like that it's it's we're dealing with areas that are unknown and you know everybody has to take in the information and keep collecting it as we go forward and those who were right or wrong if we ever even get those answers those answers lie in the future absolutely i love that 
Yeah, summed up very well, Jez. Yeah, I feel the same way. I kind of look at John Mack, or I kind of, I should say this, I look at Avi Loeb as like today's John Mack, willing to kind of put everything on the line to um, satisfy his curiosity, or at least peak his curiosity. And, you know, I feel like Avi's doing that with what he's doing. He's willing to like put these very ambitious uh, theories and thoughts out there as a Harvard professor and an astro and astronomer um, and kind of be willing to take the hits that are going to come. But then the people who will come after him will have a easier time uh, bringing these questions up and looking into them in a serious manner. So I, I do think a lot of what John Mack did has led to a lot of other scientists, whether it's in the hard sciences or soft sciences, to approach this topic and at least look at it seriously. So, yeah, I thought the book was great. Um, I haven't finished reading it quite yet, but I learned so much about John Mack that I didn't know prior to. So, yeah, that was definitely one of my favorites. That was episode 204 in the archives, if anyone's interested. Who would be, and Avi loves a good analogy to today, but who would be the researcher for alien abduction and witness testimonies though because i feel like that's kind of a a no-no topic these days whereas Mm. in some ways when there was more stigma around it around it it was almost more okay to talk about those things because there was less like there was less impact almost from it right great question right yeah who would be today's oh man you know the the one person who's really coming to mind for I, I have two actually, and they're kind of very different in how they approach the experiencer phenomenon. Um, the first being uh, Kathleen Martin, who was actually related to right. uh, Betty Hill. Um, she is one of the most, uh, I would say, clinical people involved in the topic in terms of data and um, finding patterns within experiencers' testimony. And a very compassionate person. Um, so I think she's definitely up there. And the other one I would say would be uh, would be um, N.K. Karanda, who kind of oh, yeah. comes from it from a completely different her. approach of, um, yeah, yep. she takes a very human approach like I do in not even trying to really find answers to these people's uh, experiences, but to at least preserve it mm-hmm. and have it there. If the data wants, if it wants to be a part of the data eventually, um, she said, look, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to tell you what happened to you. I'm here to take down your story and add it to the plethora of people who have also had these experiences. So um, I guess maybe those two would be two people looking into it. I don't know. Do you guys, can you think of anyone else? Anyone in the chat? Let us know. But yeah, I mean, I think of NK because I know her, uh, you know, here in Texas. So I, I definitely agree with that one too. And I'm going to have to look into Kath. I don't know if I know of Kathleen Martin. So I'm going oh, to yeah. look her She's up. great. Absolutely. Yeah. She She's works. Um, yeah. She works with several organizations and that's another big, I'm glad, I'm actually glad you brought this up, Jane. We don't hear about abductions a lot anymore. Like right. if at all. Anymore. <laughs> and you do have to wonder, is that because they're not happening did the aliens get what they wanted and they're done with us? Or, you know, is this a cultural thing? It was so big in the eighties and nineties and it kind of faded. And now we're living in very nuts and bolts, military esque UFO encounters, which is great. It, it definitely brings up the legitimacy of everything, but yeah, I cannot tell you the last time someone has come to me with a 
abduction experience that you know, has happened within heard, the past few leave, years. But, you know, I haven't heard any, I haven't got any recent ones either. Can, uh, can I jump in on that? Please. Yeah. I, I think it depends on what sources you follow, what you go to. I mean, I, I'm just sort of an addict for a lot of this stuff and <laughs> abductions is not my area. I have no personal experience. Um, to my knowledge, I've never been abducted. Um, I have witnessed things in the last year. I consider myself an experiencer now, but I, I, I've never seen a being, I, you know, or any sort of entity or anything like that. But I do follow some other podcasts and uh, people who write on the subject who are still getting stuff all the time. Um, there's one podcast, uh, UFO Chronicles. It's out of Great Britain. And they have yes. fresh stories like every week. And a lot of those people have claimed to either be abducted or if not abducted, had direct interactions. I've mm -hmm. seen craft. But if anybody asks me, it's like, so is it aliens driving the craft? It's like, I have no answers for you. All I did was saw a thing in the sky. Mm. Well, four things in the sky, you know, and I, I never saw any beings. I had no downloads. I had no telepathic communications or anything so i don't know but people still do report those events and i do think i kind of agree with jane um no matter what validity no matter what weight you place on that it's worth gathering the data and saving it and we may find out things later you know who knows so i if you asked me 16 months ago you know what do you think about this i'd been like well, I guess it's possible, you know, but I'd really rather focus on, but at this point in my life, particularly after the last year, I'm just like, I'm not writing off anything anybody has to say. How do I know? You know, I just, I know what I've seen and everybody else knows what they've seen. And now we're coming together in a much broader community and trying to gather data. And we have people in the government and the scientific community saying, let's get all the data. Let's put it together, see what the commonalities are, you know, things like that. And it's, Ryan has said this many times, it, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I think this is a collection of data, and that's a part of the data we should be collecting. Is it going to turn out to be viable or provable? We don't know yet, but it's still a piece of the picture, right? And so why not gather it all and get everybody together and say, as we get more data points maybe we'll be able to you know peg some things down and why not why judge anybody why say mm -hmm. oh well i i saw a flying saucer but you said you got abducted uh by a gray you're crazy but i'm fine because <laughs> the flying saucers are real right you know right so just back off let's collect the information follow the path where it takes us that's all i'm saying such a good point. I mean, we had the whole Anjali controversy this past year as well. Yeah. Um, we won't go into it now, but um, I kind of, I found myself, Jazz, being one of those people who immediately judged her and said, Me too. this isn't, yeah, this isn't real. Like, oh my God, this is going to like uh, backtrack everything we've made progress on, blah, 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 blah. And then I had to take that moment to be like, I don't know. I was not there when this happened to her. And I have preached that for many, many years with experiencers. I was not there when it happened. I cannot tell you what happened or that it did happen or not. Um, so, you know, 
I, I go through all these weird struggles being a person who speaks to experiencers and witnesses almost on a daily basis of, um, I guess, cynicism, um, but also uh, believability. Um, because like you said, Jazz, I, like you, have seen a UFO, but I have not been abducted by aliens. Um, so, you know, I hope, hope there will be that middle ground someday where those experiences will become a part of the overall conversation. But in time, and you know, um, a lot of people have been saying, oh, Anjali was full of it. Like what she said was going to happen, didn't happen. And it's not going to happen. And that could very well be the case. She, This could have all been an elaborate hoax or a prank she was doing, or maybe she was mentally unstable, or maybe this actually happened. None of us are, we can truly say. So uh, when it comes to this kind exactly. of stuff, I say, let time, only time will tell. And um, yep. if it if it's meant to be exposed, it will be. Um, but for right now, we are no closer to answers to the abduction phenomenon than we were before. But at least we had people like John Mack looking into it so yeah any last words on john mack before we move to our next our next one guys i'm good i I thought it was a great book um i would recommend it to anybody and i think john mack i saw some comments in the chat you know why was john mack flawed character well he was i am i i me too i i i'm gonna just say you two are not flawed characters. You're you're both probably you know pristine, but most of the most of the world, you know, we're all flawed characters, and we have things that we did in our past and whatnot. You know, so take John Mac, you know, just as a human being is all I would say. You know, yeah. was he Jesus? You know, no. You know, uh, did he have something to add to the conversation? I think so. You know, just yeah. take it, take him for what he was. Do you like stories of the strange, the weird, and the unexplained? Then we want you to check out Jim Harold's Campfire. The concept is pretty simple. Jim talks to regular people about strange stuff that happens to them. And yes, that includes UFOs, along with cryptids, ghosts, and head scratchers. He doesn't exaggerate or play a lot of spooky music, kinda like I'm doing right now. The stories speak for themselves. Ones like a ghost story involving serial killer Ted Bundy, or the young man who encountered an eight-legged demon. Then there's the story of an alien abduction by what could be considered a reptilian. Now, not all the stories are horrifying. Some are actually pretty heartwarming, like a visit from a past loved one or a peaceful near-death experience. Regardless, these are true and fascinating stories told by ordinary people who've had extraordinary experiences. Tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Somewhere in the Skies. And remember, stay spooky. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm going to reset the room here, guys, before we move on to our next number in the countdown. We have UFO Jane. We have Jazz Shaw here. And we are running through the top 10 interviews of Somewhere in the Skies this past year. I've got some clips to play for each of these interviews they're all around two to three minutes just so you can mentally prepare for that um and we're moving on right now to number uh i believe we are on we're on number six and um this comes from episode 203 of somewhere in the skies um so i'll let you See, this is what I get for trying to do a bunch of multimedia. I knew I would scoop something up. Um, at number six, we have The Black Triangles, episode 203. This was oh, with was David. Thank you, Jazz. Thanks, man. Um, with David Marler, the triangular UFO um, you know, preeminent researcher. And um, in this interview, David Marler touches on his experiences talking with Christopher Mellon for the show Unidentified. Um, and what the Black Triangle UFOs could represent in some very interesting comments that have gone under the radar by the Pentagon and Navy concerning military UFO counters with UFOs. So I'm going to play this clip and get your guys' thoughts on the other side. You can't arbitrarily say, well, triangular UFOs that are being reported post-stealth technology are credible, but we're going to discount 70, or 70 years plus worth of other accounts. I mean, that's not scientific. That's not objective. That's just being completely arbitrary in your approach. And so, like I say, you have to view the totality of evidence. But in the course of that conversation, and I I really thought this was interesting, Chris uh, postulated the idea that these triangular UFOs might be on some type of reconnaissance or mapping mission. And I think in a very logical fashion, he looked at the characteristics that I described and the characteristics that he had seen in the reports they had investigated, the low-level flight, uh, the very slow speed, the triangular lights, you know, with a light at each point of the triangle, which is not in all the accounts, I might add. And in some of the recreations, you'll notice they didn't have lights like that. There are variations in the lighting patterns, but the most uh, prevalent is, of course, the the point of light at each uh, point of the triangle. And Chris postulated could these things be doing some type of mapping or scanning or reconnaissance operation as a result of their behaviors and as a result of thinking that these lights might be some type of triangulation method for pinpointing and mapping and measuring things? 
And I have to say, again, what I alluded to earlier, it doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what the data reflects. And there is logic to what he's putting forth. I, I don't think we can just discount that. I think it's one of the most logical explanations based on what we've seen with the data time and time again. Um, I've often cited the fact that I thought perhaps these lights, which obviously are not FAA lighting, <laughs> these things are from some other place. They don't need to adhere to our FAA flight regulations with regard to lights. Um, I always felt that they were an integral part of the propulsion system or they were some type of sensors uh, that were <laughs> some technology that we're not familiar with. Let's say, for instance, there is a valid uh, evidence that these things are surveying or mapping our 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 world. Why? Why are they right. doing that? We need to know the motivation for that. And that could be a potential threat, right? Why are they doing that? And Ryan, admittedly, there's been a successive series of revelations since the New York Times article, right? The videos came out, then they officially endorsed the videos. Then the Navy came forward and said, yes, they acknowledge the videos. And by the way, we're also formulating official policy and procedure for naval personnel to report UAPs. One little statement in the, the naval spokesman's comment that most people don't seize upon, and I can tell you my eyebrows went up and the hair on the back of my neck stood on end, it stated one of the reasons they were doing this is due to the increased frequency of sightings within military operations areas of these UAPs. That is a very telling statement because since the New York Times article came out and all of these successive revelations with regard to the UAP task force and other things, the fundamental question I've asked myself, having been doing this now for 31 years and looking at decades long denials on the part of the United States government military, why now? Why now are they acknowledging the phenomenon? Why now are they coming out more publicly and talking about it? Why now are they releasing DOD videos? We have to ask that question. And I think the Naval spokesman gave us insight into that when they stated due to the increased frequency so are they seeing this huge surge in sightings, credible sightings on the part of their military? And if so, if you're wired like Lou, if you're wired like Chris from a defense intelligence standpoint, how could you not stand up and take notice of that? Yeah, so I want to ask you guys, why now? Why do you think this has all been set into motion since 2017? I know that is a huge question with a very long answer yet to be truly decided. But <laughs> yeah, what do you guys think? I, I mean, I guess we should talk about, um, let's talk about that first. Why now in increased frequency in um, incidents or is it just an increased frequency of reports. Um, I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on that. And then your thoughts on the triangles in general. I know, Jane, you've looked heavily into the triangles. You've even had people come to you and report them. But um, yeah, I guess, Jez, let's start with you, man. Why now? Why do you think this is all happening now? I, I don't think it's all happening now whatsoever. Um, uh, as far as the triangles go, you know, it, it's more a case of how serious are reports being taken? How widely are they getting distributed? Mm -hmm. It's been happening. I mean, I didn't know anything about any of this, you know, in person until a year ago. But uh, one of the videos, and I'm, yeah, I sent that one to Jane too. Um, my wife was the one last November who filmed a triangle that flew right over our house. Um, it wow. was dark, you know, it was nighttime. 
but it definitely seemed to have a triangular shape. It didn't have the three bright points of light on the side. It just had these little like Christmas tree kind of lights underneath, you know, that was going over, but we filmed it, you know, or she filmed it, you know, and so, and totally silent, the whole thing. So I, I don't, I don't think that just suddenly started happening. I think it's probably been happening forever, you know, uh, or, you know, however far back it goes, but we have no way of knowing. No, I I don't think it's sudden. I think it's more the second thing you said, Ryan. I, I think it's just, there's more people looking up. There's more people recording. There's more people willing to come forward and say things. Um, The triangle that went over our place, you know, we didn't, again, didn't see any beings, didn't get any mental transmissions or downloads. It's just this thing that goes through the sky, middle of the night over your house, and then it's gone, you know? And so, no, I, I, I totally reject the idea that, wow, you know, everything was fine until 10 years ago, and suddenly there's all these triangles here, you know? No, I don't really see it that way. I, I think this is probably a phenomenon that's been going on for a very long time. And we're just getting more, uh, more capability of people to collect evidence and throw it out there for people to consider. And at the same time, uh, perhaps, <coughs> excuse me, um, particularly with the government revelations, more people whose minds are open, if, if that makes sense to go, yeah. that might have previously said, oh, X-Files, you know, and now they're going like, well, maybe, well, let me take a look, right? So I, I think it's a more acceptable, uh, acceptable topic of conversation, but I, I'll maybe Jane thinks I'm totally wrong. I, I, I just think it's become more digestible, is my thought. Nice. Yeah, Jane. What do you think? Someone who's looked heavily into the triangles and have even had them reported in your area, I know as well. Yeah. What do you make of all that? Um, well, I think that's. I love just what Jazz said about I, nothing's nothing's happening now now so matter of fact and so much truth to that but yeah so the triangles aren't anything new as far as i'm concerned and and the research so as far as the research i've been doing here in texas so i mean the triangles are the most prevalent most perplexing most uh just undebunkable type of sighting that I've covered, you know, over the years. And they've been seen since I started Texas UFOs, you know, here in Texas since 2012. And I'm sure um, way further, there was a big wave. I actually remember in there, well, and there would be big waves like certain summers. So there's, it wasn't so much where the triangles were seen. Um, it was more so when they were seen, there would just be these UFO, um, not, I can't remember the term, UFO flaps, I guess, if you will. <laughs> and the triangles are just what they sound like. Silent, typically silent, dark, would sometimes have three lights, the three yellow lights on the edges with the red light in the middle. Um, sometimes they would be described as almost like camouflaging or being transparent uh, against the night sky. Sometimes they were seen, um, well, they're often seen hovering and then then maybe moving after that, or even as if they were in like a firefight or something, like seen wobbling or um, 
I know witness drew one time a ship with a chunk of, uh, you know, the edge, you know, uh, ripped off as if it had been damaged. So there's, you know, a number of videos and photos out there. It's a little tricky because any three lights in the sky can be a triangle. So there are misidentifications. (laughs) It does happen. But yeah, the triangles are real. And as far as why now? um, Yeah, I mean, they they go back. I mean, think about the Phoenix lights, obviously, in 1997 would be a really famous triangle UFO case does seems like it it does seem to be it was more of the saucer variety the farther you go back um you know closer to roswell but there's even rumors that there was a bigger maybe diff, you know not a disc shaped craft you know that the saucers came out of so mm. that i know that that's been a debate um but yeah so why now i think that well there's a number of reasons i don't think this is fully organic Um, But I think one of the reasons, one of many, perhaps, is that uh, civilian and commercial space flight is I really think that there are things out there in space. I think even if you watch, you know, a given like ISS stream or whatever long enough, you're probably going to see something weird you can't identify. And I think there needs to be a protocol and an understanding of you know of the ufo phenomenon as that happens i i don't want to get hung up on this but the like the one i was talking about that jane and i had discussed a lot of people do seem to focus on that three bright white or yellow lights around the corners and i was like well ours didn't have that well i i just i hate to see people get hung up on that like oh well that means that it's not consistent or it's not real I can walk out at noon on any given day on my street and I can see tons of cars that don't have their headlights on. And I think about ours, the one that my wife filmed, and it's like, well, maybe it could have had three bright lights on the corners. They just had them turned off, you know? (laughs) Is that really that crazy? I'm not trying to make a joke out of this, but does it always have to have the lights on? It's a good point. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I know even in that interview when I talked to David, he brought up like, why would they need lights? Like the only reasons I can think of is either surveying mapping or it's part of the propulsion system. They don't need them to look at the, um, you know, the next craft in front of them or, or whatnot. It's interesting. They're they're not signaling for a turn probably. Right. Right. (laughs) Forgot your blinker again. Damn it. Damn it. You're going to get a ticket on earth. (laughs) You know, space police are coming to get you. Yeah. Ah, that was, yeah, I love it. And I, I will add here. Um, where did I see that? Christopher plain said that, um, Oh, where did it go? I lost it. Here we go. Um, Ryan Graves told me at the conference, um, AIAA in August, he said the number has continually increased since 2015. But again, yeah, that's, that's hard. Like, when you're when you don't have like a base level to start from, really, because reporting wasn't really a thing. Like, is it more activity of UFOs, or is it just more people? Reporting? Well, I mean, in in Texas alone, if you look at the top cases, I mean, you could say they're triangular V shaped because there is the 1950s Lubbock lights, which you know were like V shaped lights, and um, and then I mean the 2008 Stephenville lights was also V shaped oh, yeah. lights. Right. And, you know, and that's that's a huge case. So that's 2008, 1997. You know, it's hardly just 
only happening just now, right? So, yeah, yeah, I I know. Well, I could do a whole episode on triangles again. I they <laughs> clearly have a near and dear place in my heart, having possibly seen one of these triangles, kind of changed my life. Um, it's why I I'm remember. Here I you remember your story, and I bet you it was pretty damn close to what we saw. Yep, I'm sure it was jazz, and it was in a kind of in proximity of you as well. So uh, only a few hours north of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Crazy, crazy. We'll have to talk more about that, man. Um, George said, maybe the lights are to get our attention. Hey, maybe, maybe the, these things move so damn slow and they're so big. It's like, they don't want to be, um, you know, uh, gone in the blink of an eye. It seems like these triangles are begging to almost be seen. So you do. Or, or they're so the unafraid one. of us that they just don't. They don't care no f's given jazz i agree with you man don't give a shit they don't give a shit um oh, you saw awesome. us. good for you yep good for you what are you gonna do about it yeah go go talk to your little uh your little uap office see what they exactly yeah. <laughs> go call the uh aoi monosodium glutamate thing yeah. <laughs> whatever it is at this point i know um awesome guys well let's move on to our next one this is someone i know both of you have personally talked to um he is the new owner of skinwalker ranch yep. so yes let's go to let's go brandon brandon This is number five, Brandon Fugel, Skin, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. This is in the archives, episode 209. Brandon discussed all the latest discoveries at Skinwalker Ranch and what types of phenomena have been reported. So I'm going to go play that clip right now and see you guys on the other side yet again. You know, so far, based on our observations and the data, um, I believe we're seeing a diversity of origin and agendas associated with uh, the experiences on the ranch, which it talk about making a, a complicated, you know, problem set that much more <laughs> difficult. I mean, it's, 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 and then, you know, to be, to be dealing with what many people have referred to as a precognitive sentient intelligence that is one, two steps ahead of us. Um, and, and the fact that yet things are happening that are beyond our control, uh, that, that have an intelligence associated with them is, uh, is a little unnerving, but I, you know, we try to go about it in the right spirit. You know, we talk about spirituality, I think preparing yourself. And again, you know, I've noticed on a number of occasions, people who bring negativity to the ranch that bring mm-hmm. a spirit of contention or negativity end up experiencing negativity. Yeah, you know, the the ranch seems to be re- reflexive, or at least seems to to respond in a very dynamic way to to the spirituality or the the psychology of those who enter. So I think it, it's really important to to be prepared, and and everyone who comes on the property, whether it be third party engineers, consultants. I mean, we've had a number of engineering consultants and subject matter experts, whether it be you know. Ground penetrating radar studies, resistivity studies, you know, drone operators, you know, we've had the rocketry experiments, the instrumented weather balloons, etc. Every one of the people that have come onto the property to help conduct these experiments, I believe, have left scratching their heads, have seen one or more unexplained events occur associated with their engagement. And, and I think that's compelling. 
you, you couple the witness testimony, multiple witness testimony with actual recorded anomalies that are correlative to UFO activity above the ranch and other strangeness. And I mean, you, you really have what I believe to be the most compelling ongoing record of, of paranormal activity and a scientific investigation into these topics than ever before. Yeah, Jane. <laughs> yeah, I think he's on a he's getting another drink, so we'll definitely have him come back. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on? I know you've spoken to Brandon personally. You've interviewed him. Um, Skinwalker season two wrapped up. We're getting a season three, and um, yeah, there's a lot to be said about you know what's going on there. We had that Skinwalkers at the Pentagon book come out recently. Mm-hmm. It just seems like the Skinwalker mystery is just growing and the people involved, the list is growing too. So yeah, what do you make of um everything yeah. Brandon brought forward this past season on the show and um what do you want more of when it comes to the investigations at uh, Skinwalker Ranch? Yeah. So I'll give a I know that you're asking um folks who they're favorite ufo personality is i'll give Mm -hmm. away a little bit because well i researcher too um well alien girl 111 shout out amy (laughs) i think (laughs) she's like i think she's stolen um the hearts of everybody uh this year i feel like um but also brandon fugel is who i would vote for because i was really thinking about it and you know i think in Years past, the you know the heavyweights might be like Tom DeLonge or you know Louis Elizondo, of course, or you could even say Jeremy Corbell, you know, in those early ha- hashtag drops <laughs> that he was doing, right, and the Pentagon Triangle video and all that. But um, Brandon Fugel is, I think, is really rising to the ranks, in my opinion, as a really. Strong strong leader too. And I know Avi Loeb is there too. Uh, But, and they're both similarly very transparent and going a lot of shows and um, talking to people at a real level and talking about the evidence in a real way and uh, putting, you know, Avi Loeb putting a lot of his his credibility in Harvard education and Brandon Fugel putting, together his uh putting together money putting money uh behind this uh so yes i think yes i'm just a big fan and i feel like he's a genuine nerd like us who wants to find out the truth about this so i'm rooting for what's going on at skinwalker ranch and with the galileo project too and then also i mean gary Voorhees too of uapx i think it's worth bringing him up too and i'm excited i'm excited to see what all of these three entities are going to reveal in 2022 Um, right yeah so i mean because they've we've got this independent research that's going on right and then we have the new ufo office which they're not going to have that transmedium committee anymore which was going to have a few members right. of the Galileo project yeah. and mass and all that. But I'm, pers- I mean, I'm, I think those things are going to happen anyways, though. It's not like we're not going to study transmedium craft um, just because that, you know, committee got cut. So I think, I think there's a lot of competition right now, right. For everybody's 
waiting, paying attention and wants to, to know what's the next footage that's leaked or what's the next evidence that will change things. And so, um, I even know, you know, everybody loves the skinny Bob video and there's that researcher, Jeff Red, who has money out, you know, if anybody can bring new content forward, right. Or help to prove or disprove that footage. And that's, I would you know, love great. to see that. Right. Like what, what if, but what if that happens this year? Right. Like, so in, and suddenly skinny Bob's real or something, or, <laughs> or we know for sure it, for sure, for sure, for sure. It's fake. You know, whatever the right. case is, I think some, Stuff's definitely, you know, it, we're definitely going to find out some new things this year. I think there's been a lot of build up, and it hasn't been, you know, for nothing. So mm-hmm. that's a, a lot, a lot, <laughs> a lot of words to describe. No, no, I love it. It's <laughs> such a skinwalker ranch. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I love <laughs> big Brandon fan. I'll, I'll say that up front, although. I've been of two minds and I've been very public about this. We've done a couple shows where we discuss this. Um, I, I, I think Brandon is great. He's making tremendous contributions. We've interviewed him. I jab and go back with him on, on social media uh, just today, as a matter of fact, you know uh, I, I think he's doing a lot of interesting stuff. He's putting his money where his mouth is, you know, he, he's not, begging anybody else he's just going out and he's got his agenda he wants to know what he wants to know he's doing his thing i like that at the same time skinwalker ranch as much as i find it intriguing and i follow all the shows all the news about it i really find it intriguing when we get back to talking about uap disclosure um government secrecy things like that trying to get congress to come along I've sort of been on the other side of the fence with some of the news that comes out of there because yes, there have been sightings of a couple of things that definitely were Tic Tacs over Mm -hmm. Skinwalker. Um, He saw a disc there apparently, but a lot of the other stuff is very much more for lack of a better word, paranormal, you know, Mm. weird stuff. And I often find myself worried as much as I admire the work Brandon is doing and the stuff he's bringing forward, we're at a point where we finally got Congress to come forward and go like, okay, maybe we can talk about UFOs. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're okay. They're physically real. Maybe they're intelligently controlled. Maybe we should look into this because it could be some other life forms, right? Other life in the universe. A lot of people accept, expect, you know, accept that. And then you have the Skinwalker Ranch TV stuff that comes out and goes, oh, by the way, dino beavers, werewolves. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking about all the people in Congress that it took them this long for us to be able to tease them along and go, there might be some stuff in the sky we can't identify. Right. And they're like, oh. Okay, there might be some stuff. And even a few people going like like the DNI, it's conceivable it might even be something coming extraterrestrially. Okay, we can discuss this. Let's take a look at this. I just think for some of those people that it took so long to get them to come along, it's the wrong time to go, yes, exactly, thank you. And oh, by the way, werewolves. 
<laughs> you know, and a lot of those people are like, I have to get elected next year. You right. know, I, I can't do werewolves. I'm sorry. You know, so there are there are I I, I know I, it sounds like I make light of it, but there are a lot of people in Congress, people in the Pentagon, people, you know, in the intelligence agencies who I think we've made a lot of progress and they are willing to talk about this now. Things that many of us have been talking about for a long time. And now there's a lot of evidence being presented. We can have this. It's not the right time to go. Oh, and by the way, zombies, because then they're going to be like, okay, sorry, never mind. Let's go back to talking about the budget. You know, so that that kind of concerns me. I, I find Skinwalker Ranch incredibly interesting. I don't know what all the mysteries of the universe are that may or may not be explained by any of that stuff. But if we have the people involved in trying to get us the answers we want to the point where they can go, okay, maybe we can talk about UFOs. Maybe we can talk about aliens. Let's not turn around in the next breath and go, dino beavers, are you with us or against us? I, I, I don't think that helps at this point. Maybe that comes later. I don't know. Just me. That's a t-shirt right there, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, I, hope the, I hope the zombies never come. I'm not. I'm not ever. Oh God! Ready please for no. Them. Anything. But oh, that. Jane, the zombies are already here. Come <laughs> on. They're called the uh, the corporate Walking Dead of America. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm most just of them are Microsoft. Yep. So. <laughs> um. Awesome. Well. Yep. Skinwalker Ranch. A lot to look forward to in 2022 when it comes yep. to that. Love the show. Um, I do too. It's a lot of fun. It really is. Um. And I learn a lot, and that's what infotainment should be. Um, now, Jazz Jane, you guys let me know if you need to head out or anything. Please let me know. Yeah, um, I, I can, I've got any, like, I about one more segment. Okay, until cool. The, until like the is it the top of the hour? So like what? Like until yeah, like eight, eight minutes Eastern? or so. Sounds good. Yeah. I'm appreciative of any time you guys. Oh, give and me. I would I would hang around much longer, but I'm just trying to make sure I don't. Because I like to talk. Use your voice. To, I get <laughs> it's it. It's too tempting to talk, and I'm I I can't. I shouldn't. <laughs> I totally get it. No, oh, I've never had all. that problem. I spend the entire day just talking, yelling like, and shouting, oh, <laughs> and, and people get tired of hearing from me. So, uh, I know the feeling, Jazz. All right. Well, let's move on to number. Much better time have... on that one, Ryan. I did a little Very better. Well done. Thank you, Jez. I'm, I'm getting there, man. We'll get to UCR level quality soon. Um, we have Avi Loeb. He's been mentioned so much tonight. Um, episode 195. Opened the air with a bang with one of the first interviews conducted with Avi Loeb that I was able to get. I was so honored to do that. Um, and uh, we talked all about the responsibility of mainstream science to ask the extraterrestrial question constantly. So let's play this clip, get your guys' thoughts, and... Um, and uh, get you out of here. So let's go to Avi Loeb. And the problem is really when you're not open-minded to find wonderful things, things that you don't expect necessarily, you will never discover them. So it's a catch. Uh, if the mainstream of the astronomy community is bullying and dismissing, even a discussion on the possibility that Oumuamua was artificial or that there are these civilizations out there, if they say it's never aliens, like the, if you go to Twitter, you'll find it a lot of times being said, it's never, don't talk about it. And they, you know, a lot of people ridicule anyone that discusses this. 
Then, of course, young people will worry about their job prospects. They will never enter this field. You will never have fresh talent working on these subjects. And it will never be funded. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You, you know, all these no-sayers, they will look at it and say, oh, look, there is nothing being found. Of course there is nothing being found if you don't fund the search. And if you don't allow young people to get into it because of the uh, intellectual climate that suppresses it, then it, there will never be progress. It's just like burying your head in the sand. And my point is that the public is extremely interested in this question. The public is funding science. How dare the scientists say, we have the technology to search for such things, but we don't want to discuss it? I think it's completely inappropriate. If the public is interested and the science community can address this subject, it should be mainstream. And then when you look at the theoretical physics, uh, right now, a huge community of very talented young people work on concepts that have no connection to reality, no experimental verification. They work on extra dimensions. They work on string theory. And, you know, many popularizers of science talk about, you know, the frontier of physics is extra dimensions. The frontier of physics is string theory. But these are concepts for which there is no experimental evidence. And they have been working on these for several decades. And my point is, if that is the mainstream for which awards are given, for which you can get a job, then something is distorted in the scientific culture because there is a significant component of the theoretical physics community working on things that the public doesn't really understand, that have no connection to reality because they were never tested, whereas the same mainstream community is dismissing a subject that is of interest to the public and on which we can get data. Yeah. So how can you have both things at the same time? That makes no sense. Something is unhealthy in the current culture of theoretical physics. And, you know, I am just straightforward in that. I'm saying these things based on what I see. Um, and of course, that will not be a popular view because all these people that work on these things will, you know, uh, push back. Amen. He's like the king of dropping the mic, I swear. He's like, got it down to a science. I love it. Um, I do want to take just a moment to thank Anonymous Rex and Mons for the super chats. Thank you, guys. I appreciate the support um, and for you watching tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean... The contradictions he points out in mainstream science always anger me, really, really anger me. But then every time he um, goes on a show and shows how passionate he is about uh, what he wants to uncover and discover, um, it gives me so much hope. Again, like I mentioned earlier in this this live stream of what comes after Avi Loeb, who's going to be inspired by what he says and take it that step further. So yeah. What do you guys think of Avi Loeb and everything he's done this past year? Jane. Yeah. Well, a, a big highlight was the Washington cathedral chat, which, you know, there are some other really notable people there too. He said some notable things, but Avi Loeb, really kind of brought down the house <laughs> in a church suggesting God or slash gods in, in the Bible could 
be aliens. And nobody got upset at him. Nobody booed him. <laughs> so I think, and, and, you know, and he's also, of course, the messenger of this idea of the Amuamua, this big rock through space actually being a spaceship. And so I think he's a really fascinating guy with his, you know, Harvard pedigree and his reputation on the line to be saving some really outrageous things really that don't really on on its face you know neither of those things have this scientific body of evidence right that to to support these are ancient aliens these are history channel ideas but he's saying them and so people listen you know in a way that they wouldn't listen necessarily to um uh Sucalos, you know the guy <laughs> with the hair you know even though he's saying kind of the same thing so i i think that that's what so i'm fascinated with with avi Loeb and uh he's definitely going to be a big player going into this uh new year for sure so no doubt Agreed. yeah um Agreed. the galileo project is going to be something you know something next gonna, level something's going to come out out of it Th- this is one of those areas where Rare case where Jane and I are going to be almost 180% disagreeing. Uh, <laughs> nice. Ooh, give it to us, Jess. I love what it. Do you think? Oh, no. Uh, and I, I don't say that as an insult, but I, I do of think I, I've been a big fan of Avi Loeb. Um, I'm a contributor to the Galileo Project. Uh, I, I, I like the work he's been doing. But his work, like so many things in the UFO field, gets sort of interpreted uh, interpreted and lionized and storied to where a lot of people talk about it in ways that don't reflect what he's actually said. Hmm. And uh, over at UCR, you know, we've talked to him. Um, Avi Loeb is not somebody who's out there saying the aliens are here. They're among us. People are being abducted. He doesn't say anything like that. And I think it's important to keep in mind and keep in context and frame what he's actually said. And I do not say anything to detract from him. I think the work he wants to do is important. Avi Loeb never said that a Muamua was an extraterrestrial craft. He said it had characteristics that might demonstrate something that could show something that couldn't be explained in normal fashion. He's never said, oh, there's aliens coming from other places. He said, it's a vast universe. There's a lot of things out there. We need to go and look. He has an open mind. But he's not somebody who's an E.T. believer. Mm -hmm. He has never once, to my knowledge, listeners, correct us if I'm wrong, he's never once said, I have any direct evidence that there's an extraterrestrial presence. I, I have no evidence that there's intelligent life anywhere else. I'm looking for evidence. And he started a program where he's not saying, I'm looking for aliens. I'm looking for greys. No, he wants to collect evidence of anomalous things and say, let's get the data and see what the heck's going on. And I appreciate that. But I think a lot of people sort of project onto Avi Loeb 
their own hopes that he's like, here's our champion from Harvard that's saying the aliens are here. He's never said it. He's never come close to saying it. He's just saying it's a big, magnificent universe with a lot of weird shit. And we should be acting like scientists, collecting data and see where the data takes us. That's really all he's ever said. And I appreciate that about him. But people who project too much onto him, like, hey, Amuamua, that was a light sail. He never said it was a light sail. He said that's one possible explanation. He has admitted in interviews to other possibilities that might explain the very minor discrepancies in Amuamua and its actions that could account for that too. But he was the guy who was willing to go, but let's not rule this other stuff out. Could be, right? That's really as far as Avi Loeb has ever gone. And as a Harvard scientist, that's all I'd ask from him. But people who read too much into it, like, this is the guy that's leading the, you know, effort to disclosure. No, he's really not. He's just saying follow the science because he's a scientist. So let's all embrace that, but not read too much into it. If that's the message I could put out about that interview clip, that's the one I would put out. Don't, I love that. Yeah. Don't don't try to make him too much of a disclosure hero. Yeah, he's a reality hero. He's a science hero. That's my take on Avilop. I love it. And again, I think it mirrors John Mack. A lot of people were wishing yeah. and hoping that he was saying, "Yes, alien abductions are real. Physically, they're being kidnapped by aliens." A and lot he never of people did. wanted him to be that, and he never said that. He said these people experienced something. Um, that they believe is real and is truly mysterious and they're not unstable. They haven't been abused as children. These aren't like memories right. being, you know, falsely implanted. Something is going on. And I think Avi's of the same mind. So I agree with you, Jazz. I think he's very careful with his words as he should be. And that's what's going to get Avi Loeb far is yes. he's not saying this. He's is a scientist. He's following exactly. the science. And a lot of us become believers. I'm guilty of it now myself. Me too. He's not a believer. He's somebody that's viewing the data and saying, let's be open to the possibilities. It's an infinite universe. I think that's Avi's best message for everyone. And that's that's what I would leave everyone with. Love it. Well, Jane, I know you got to get out of here. Jazz too. Me too. Um, Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to say good night to you guys. Um, I've got a few more here. We're going to get to our most popular episodes, but I want to thank you both for taking the time to come on here tonight. I know everyone's really busy during the holidays leading into the new year. Um, but before we go, one last question for both of you. Um, who is your UFO researcher or UFO personality of 2021? Jane, I know you kind of Gave yeah, us yours kinda, already. Yeah, I think, I, I think I'll... Jazz, I'll, I'll putting you on the spot, yeah. man. You, you're going to keep yours, Brandon Fugel? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Jazz, how about for yeah, you, man? I was not expecting this question. I know you were. <laughs> Sorry, um, I didn't prepare you. God, there's so many people who have done so much. And I guess... If I was going to be a suck up, I would say you because you've done a lot, but I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> um, if I was going to be another suck up, I would say Luis uh, because you guys nominated Luis. I could also certainly nominate Micah Hanks. 
I'm going to go with Micah Hanks. Awesome. Mike is awesome. I mean, again, the brainchild of the debrief, one of the most, in my maybe biased personal opinion, one of the most credible news outlets covering UAP right now and many other things. And his brain as is well. like he has a photo. Oh, my God. The, the guy's the guy is encyclopedic. <laughs> it's crazy. It, it's not just that he's encyclopedic. <laughs> the guy never stops working. Never. I don't know when he sleeps. The number of he shows doesn't. That he I shared out. a I shared a hotel you room know. with him, Jess. He doesn't <laughs> oh sleep. Trust God, me. he runs on caffeine. Guys, going constantly, and I I I don't want to disrespect anybody else out of all the amazing people out there because there have been so many amazing people. But yeah, Micah Micah deserves. I think he's not an unsung hero, but he's a hero that could be more sung than he sometimes is. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Micah. I love that. I love that. Awesome. Jane, tell us where we can find everything yeah. you're up to. Yeah, so you should be able to search UFO Jane on various places. Um, YouTube, like I said, I'll be post like I hinted at earlier, I'll be posting a, um, some highlights from the year. And then um, the Jason McClellan interview I've been talking about for months. Because mm. <laughs> it got it paused and then I got sick. And um, so we're going to start out the new year. We're bringing the Weird UFO show back. So that's coming soon. So please subscribe. And I'm a big fan of the Weird UFO show. Oh, thanks, Jess. You're going to like, uh, well, I mean, I won't say, but Jazz has Jazz's theories have been considered in the next episode that's dropping. In the oh, news. it's going to be dolphins. It's I was going to be say. dolphins. Well, I'm not going to say, you know, hmm. but. Hmm. <laughs> awesome well thank you jane thank you for coming tonight um feel better happy new year and uh we'll talk to you soon Thanks, always guys. a pleasure follow jane <laughs> jazz give it to us my man where can we find <clears throat> everything you're up to and um yeah yeah tell us i'm not hard to find i'm at jazz shaw on twitter uh i'm on salem media i'm a writer at the debrief along with you um i'm Wow, I had a big day working an article that's going to be on the debrief next week that you're really going to enjoy, but we can't talk about it yet, sadly. Oh, uh, oh it's about it an old. Not even a little? It's, it's about an old UFO case from Michigan that okay. I I got somebody to talk about something that well, it's an old UFO case that was already big, but you're going to read something new that you never heard before. So, so that's fun. So look at the debrief. Uh, look at Salem Media uh, at Jeshaw on Twitter. I don't have a paid channel or anything. If anybody wants to send any money and support me, do me a favor right now. Check that off. I'm fine. Send it to send it to Ryan. <laughs> send it to somewhere skies. You know he could use it. Guy's doing a lot of work. I'm pretty much into retirement at this point. My house is paid for. I'm good. Help these guys. I'm old. Help the young people who are doing this work. Help Ryan Sprague. So that's hey. that's my advice. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate everything you do. Um, you're one of the most grounded voices in this topic right now. And we need that um, so that we don't, you know, I always say keep our feet on the ground. Um, and when keep we feel looking like somewhere in the skies. Exactly. I knew you. And you know that. what? And I'm one of the people who followed his advice. And in the last year, I saw stuff. Keep looking. You can 
see things. Ah, I love that. I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up Jazz Shaw's appearance here on Somewhere in the Skies. Have a great night. Happy New Year to you and your Happy family. Happy New Jazz. Year, sir. Absolutely. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Cheers. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much to Jazz Shaw, UFO Jane, and Luis Jimenez for hopping in tonight and being a part of this top 10, which we're not done with yet. So stick with me, guys. I've got the top three coming up for you here of um, Somewhere in the Skies this past year. And um, let's do it. Let's move right on to our next one here. This is going to be number three. Yes, number three. Let's give you guys a little info on who it is. This was episode 220 of Somewhere in the Skies. This was a conversation with witnesses, military UFO UAP encounters. This was one of my like I my my dream panels to do. And I was able to do it for Contact in the Desert this past year and also rebroadcast it on Somewhere in the Skies. And it was our third most downloaded episode of the year. Um this is um Three Navy servicemen who witnessed certain aspects of both the Tic Tac event and the Go Fast event. Our guests were Gary Voorhees, Jason Turner, and Matthew Roberts. And I wanted to bring these guys on to show that military witnesses are just as human as us civilians are when it comes to how UFO events affect our lives. So I'm going to go ahead and play this clip from that panel for you right now, and I'll see you on the other side. Because at the time in 2015, I thought, well, you know, if this is a part of some program, I'm not read into it and I'll never know anyway. And this footage is never going to see the light of day. So this is the last I'll ever see of it. Um, But what really kind of started things to go in a different direction for me was, you know, the New York Times article and To the Stars Academy. Um, Those people, to me, uh, carried with them a certain amount of credibility. Um, and so these guys from To The Stars, Chris Mellon, Lou Elizondo, all these heavy hitters from the Pentagon, I thought, well, there's got to be something there in this book. Uh, this can't just be nonsense, you know? Yeah. And, and so then that's when I started to think, well, you know, this whole everything we called paranormal is also linked to this somehow, obviously. Uh, and so that that really just shifted my entire worldview right there. That was that was it. That was the beginning. You know, once once it all transpired and then everything just kind of dwindled down after the event that happened, I pretty much just you know put it on the back burner and and un- until what a couple years ago when when the New York Times article came out and that was when it was like. Okay, so there is something to this, um, you know, and, and I think for me, it, it it hasn't really changed, like, who I am as far as, like, my interest in, in the subject, other than my specific incident alone. Um, I try mm-hmm. not to think outside of this one particular incident because I can really get overwhelmed with it, and, and I don't like chasing the rabbit down that hole. And because when I do, it's like, you know, you, you start going beyond where you need to go. And, and right now I think I just want answers to, to what happened with us. And that's kind of where I've, I've, I've put all my energy is figuring out what it was that happened directly to us. And then they, you know, other, other events and other things like what happened with Matthew, 
um, they'll all fall in, into place when they you know, in time. So I've just kind of taken a back seat and and kind of just listened, you know. And I've learned a lot from the people within the community on Twitter, just listening to what they say, and you know, talking to people in private messages. I think that's something that has benefited everybody um, is is our availability to them and their availability to us. You know, not just um, you know where we come out, we say this, and then we just disappear, and we're, we're not reachable. I think that's what's revolutionized this whole game over the past 10 years is technology and the ability to communicate and make yourself available almost at any time to anybody, you know, and there have been some pretty nasty people. Um, but there there's, you know, for the majority of, of the people that I've encountered, uh, you know, politically we may disagree, but at the end of the day, we can all sit down and have a conversation. You know, and, and absolutely that's I think that it is maintaining that uh, that level of, OK, I'm not on the same level with you, you know, because you may be so deep into this that you're starting to talk to talk to me about things that you're really kind of pushing people away, you know, and it's like, well, you know, you don't need to. But I'm like, I, I get it. I understand it. But here's where I'm at. You know, you're at an eight. I'm at a four. And I think that's what people just just bear with us, you know, because it, it's still all new to, to us, you know, it, it, to people like me. It's still new to me, you know, so I don't understand some of the things that people are talking about. Um, so immediately after the event, I started downloading the MIT syllabus uh, syllabuses for uh, their physics courses and uh, looking at uh all the different, all the Ivy League schools, syllabuses for their physics courses and learning everything that I could about physics and engineering. Um, I didn't think I'd ever really be able to afford to go back to college. So I just started learning it all myself. Um, I spent pretty much a lot of my free time just trying to figure out how any of this could even be possible just to keep running into wall after wall after wall. And, and of course, my, uh, my, education level it was so minimal to begin with you know i mean the only thing i had was i know it's possible now how hmm. so i i was literally starting from you know high school physics to learn all of these different theorems these different possibilities these different things that you know people have already gone through 10 years of college and knew um so it was like a crash course that i was pushing myself through. And, uh, then finally the 2017 report came out and then I get a phone call in 2018 and then I start having to do a crash course in UFO history. Now, I mean, I knew generally the, the big ones, you know, project blue book. I knew, uh, the, the, you know, Roswell, there's two crashes. There's, you know, there's two crash sites there. You know, I know some of the details and some, a little bit, I'd say if, uh, you know, Ryan, you're a level 10 and Jason's a level four, I'm probably like a five or a six. <laughs> Thank you, Gary, for saying I'm a level 10 UFO researcher. I wish, but I clearly am not. None of us know the answers. None of us are experts, but I do appreciate those kind words. And uh, I do appreciate that um, all three of these guys, after having their military UFO encounters, have continued to look into it and are trying to find answers. So, yeah, hopefully they will get those answers someday. But um, 
that was a dream panel of mine to talk to all three of these guys that were part of famous UFO events and hear how it affected them. And um, it was incredible. So I was so happy and thankful to contact in the desert for setting up that panel for me and allowing me to rebroadcast it on my own show. And I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Again, that was episode 220 of the show. You can go back and watch that now. Conversation with witnesses, military UFO encounters um zero mike thank you so much for the super chat really appreciate it buddy happy new year from romania wow that is so cool amazing show as always keep looking up guys keep looking up yourself zero mike i really appreciate it man and um hopefully we'll get some of those answers by looking up in 2022 so thank you thank you we need more romanians reptile says ryan i will carry on the flannel on my on my lives mr crowley i appreciate that man i tried to look a little classy tonight for my my year-end wrap-up so i hope um i hope everyone can appreciate it i don't wear a tie that often so yeah um let's move on to uh number two episode of somewhere in the skies this was episode 196 of somewhere in the skies this past year and it was with none other than luis elizondo and sean cahill um days after elizondo parted ways with to the stars academy he and former chief master at arms during the nimitz tic tac ufo event sean cahill joined me to talk about what has been accomplished with the strive for ufo disclosure since 2017 and where it all may be heading in the next chapter and we sure as hell headed somewhere pretty interesting so i'm gonna play that clip for you guys right now with Luis Elizondo and Sean Cahill. Let me offer this up because people keep saying, when are we going to have disclosure? Yes, please. This year, you just had the Department of Defense say that UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomenon, not unidentified drones, not unidentified aircraft, phenomenon, okay, are real and that we're videoing them to the point where we have established under the Deputy Secretary of Defense, an official and formal UAP, not UAS, UAP task force. If, if you don't want a bigger indicator that the government is finally willing to play in this sphere, in this, in this, in this, this arena, I don't know how to get through to you. I, I, I can't. There's nothing I can do that convince people. I would say, look, you, you're living through disclosure now. It's happening. Don't, you're not waiting. You keep waiting for this magic tripwire to occur. Look back. and It's already happened. It just happened. I and talk, it's continuing to occur. I talked to a lot of people who, who, after hearing something similar to that, want to jump up and down and say, what about this incident? What about that incident, et cetera? So I, I'd be happy to sit here and say, well, I'm not a government spokesperson. But I'd be happy to say we've been investigating this for 70 years on and off. And that fact isn't a fact to the known public. It is not an understood fact that for all intents and purposes, the investigation has never ended, did not end, and is ongoing. Now, I'm not a spokesperson for that, but that's as obvious to me as, as my own hand in front of my face. And so once we start getting those data points out as knowns, to the majority of people, the stigma is just going to melt away. That that holy s moment that some of us have is is powerful and it's long lasting too. So we need to be careful of that. People who have 
thought this might be real for their entire lives, once confronted with the fact that this is real, period, full stop, it's, it's a very sobering experience that has a lot of tangential uh, consequences. Yeah, so again, that was another one of um, the interviews that really came out of nowhere, to be completely honest. You know, I'd been uh, speaking to Mr. Elizondo through email and, you know, working at the debrief, I had the opportunity to interview him for a couple articles um, in email form. But I just, uh, you know, I threw the Hail Mary one day and and I reached out and I said, I'd love to interview you, especially right after he left to the Stars Academy. Thought it'd be a good time to get him on. And he was just so uh, accommodating and welcoming with his time. And of course, at the same time, Sean Cahill was in town visiting Lou. And he said, hey, I got another guest for you. So I was so happy to have Sean there as well. And we had a really, really amazing discussion. Um, and yeah. I hope you guys will go check out the whole interview that we did. He answered a lot of listener questions. Lou and Sean answered a bunch of listener questions as well. I can't wait to have them back on in 2022. It's already set up. The date has been scheduled. You will see Mr. Elizondo again very soon in the coming new year. Um, But without further ado, let's get to our number one most downloaded interview of Somewhere in the Skies this past year. So yeah, this guy really made some waves this past year in the UFO field. In fact, I think, yes, I do. I have his book right here. You know who it is, Ross Coltart. He is an Australian journalist, journalist and author, and he, um, he ran us through his research into UAP for both his book and his news program on 7 News Australia, including a very interesting claim by Nat Kobitz, the former director of science and engineering research for the U.S. Navy, and an interesting program that Nat was read into. So I'm going to go ahead and play that last clip for you guys right here, right now, at number one, Ross Coltart. About a month or so after I'd sent off these letters, I started getting really interesting calls and, and messages from people who were telling me eventually that they were involved in what some called the program. And uh, essentially it was an attempt to back-engineer recovered non-human technology, craft. And look, I cheerfully admit the first couple of times that I was told about this, I I treated it as a bit of a joke. I, I, I laughed. I thought, this is wacky stuff. Somebody's deliberately sowing me with disinformation. And then... One day, Nat Kobitz literally rang me. I couldn't believe it. This guy from the former head of Navy Science and Technology Development, like the chief boffin for the US Navy for decades, rang me out of the blue. He, um, he rang me and he goes, Ross, you need to get, you need to get under your government and get the, the, the top Soviet water bomber. And he was wanting, wanting me to get the, the Russians to send over their big water bomber. And, um, you know, he was just this tech geek who wanted to share information. And so for days, I just talked to him about what he'd worked on in the Navy. And it was just such a privilege to speak to somebody who right through the Cold War had worked on top vehicles and technologies in the um, in the US military. And it was a real insight because he was such a generous, sharing, warm guy. And I'd made it clear in my letter that I was really interested in talking about the phenomenon, you know, UFOs, UAPs, but 
After about the third or fourth call, he finally then said to me, so Russ, why, why don't you ask me the question? And I went, what question would that be, Nat? And he went, you know, something like, you know. You know. And so I did. I, I asked him about, you know, was he ever read into a crash retrieval program? You know, was he ever security briefed to be briefed on claims that the United States has recovered alien craft? And I fully expected him to go, oh, come on, Russ, that's just crazy bullshit. You know, why, why are you asking me that question? And there was this kind of pregnant pause after I asked the first question. And I was about to change the subject and move on out of embarrassment. And then he went, yes, but I wasn't read out of it. And for that reason, I can't say much more about it. And I pushed him a little bit and I said, so you were read into a program involving the retrieval of an alien spacecraft? Yes. And I went, multiple craft or, or a single craft? Multiple. I, I was kind of speechless. I didn't know what to say when he brought that up. If true, that is an extraordinary claim by, you know, Nat Kopitz. And um, unfortunately, he has passed away, so we will never have definitive documentation or proof of this. But, hey, I trust Ross in his um, diligent journalism, and he probably looked into that. And, uh, yeah, pretty pretty nuts. Um, and, yeah, that was our most downloaded episode of the year with Ross Coulthard. So that's it, guys. That's it for our top 10 most downloaded interviews of the year. But I do want to stress uh, we had so many other incredible guests and interviews this past year in 2021 as well on the show. So please go back in the archives. Check out any of the episodes you haven't watched. Check all the ones out you saw tonight. Um, we have our Witness Accounts series, which is where you, the listeners and viewers, come on and tell your stories of your UFO experiences in your own words. And those are some of our most popular um, episodes as well. I think we're up to like, gosh, 18 volumes now or something like that. Crazy. That shows you how many people are having these experiences and how okay it is to talk about it. So I hope you'll go back and listen to all of our Witness Accounts episodes. And um, we also have, what else do we have? We have UFO Happy Hour with Rob Christofferson, host of the Our Strange Skies podcast, where he and I just... um tip back a few beers and brews and talk everything UFOs. Uh, I don't know which volume we're on of that yet, but um, Rob is one of the most incredible encyclopedic UFO researchers I've ever, ever come into contact with. And it is just a treasure to have him come on the show because I know my work's done. I let Rob rip and he just kills it every time. So check out the UFO happy hour series. Um, we have somewhere in the whiskey with MJ Benias every now and again. So you can check that out. What am I forgetting? Um, uh, I think that's about it. Oh, we have our audio doc episodes. Gosh, can't believe I forgot that. Um, where I tell UFO case histories and stories, you know, I bring in actors to voice certain witnesses and, um, people involved in cases and, um, really use my um, my skills as a writer and as an actor to bring these stories to life for you guys. We had some awesome episodes on Transmedium Craft this past year that I did, um, Soviet UFO cases. Uh, what else did we have? Um, 
Mysteries of Puerto Rico, which was one of my favorite episodes of the entire year. My incredible fiance Jane is the was the head researcher for that episode and just absolutely knocked it out of the park. Um, I had some people from Puerto Rico come on to talk about the strange phenomena and stuff that's gone on there throughout the years and decades. And um, yeah, yeah, that was definitely one of my personal highlights and favorites of the year. I worked so hard on that episode. It took me like a month to get it all together. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, other than that, guys, um, I'm just going to give you a little um, what's to come in 2022 at Somewhere in the Skies and with my, my personal work. So um, first and foremost, my lecture that I usually give around the country, um, because a lot of conferences aren't happening in, in person anymore, um, I have recorded my talk, A Human Approach to the UFO Phenomenon, and I'm offering it on my Patreon. So if you want to help support the show, um, I believe it's at the $5 tier a month or or larger, um, you will get that lecture for free. It'll be a part of your patronage. And you'll also get bonus episodes. Um, you'll get early additions to all of our main feed episodes every week as well by heading over to patreon.com slash somewhere skies it's a great way to help out the show it's free to consume not free to create so every every single cent goes back into making the show bigger better and more of it for you guys so again i want to thank those of you in the chat who did super chat and super sticker those as well go to help the show continue and grow a portion of all of our super chats tonight will go to the women's refugee commission as well um, a charity that I love giving to every year at Somewhere in the Skies. So yeah, please check out my talk, A Human Approach to the UFO Phenomenon, over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Somewhere Skies. Uh, next week, we are going to be diving deep into the 1976 Kentucky Three alien abduction. Stanford, Kentucky, three women. Crazy, crazy UFO encounter that could possibly also have been an alien abduction. I know you guys know of this case, but I'm bringing it to life like never before. So look for that episode next week on Somewhere in the Skies. Um, Ancient Aliens. I made this announcement on uh, Twitter. I am going to be featured in the new season of Ancient Aliens premiering January 7th. Um, Hey, look. I'm just as critical of ancient aliens as the next person. But um, I was brought in to talk about a lot of the current UFO conversations going on with the government and the ATIP and, and um, Elizondo and, and everything going on in modern day ufology. So um, that was the agreement. I would come on, talk about that. I talked about a couple other things. No aliens building the pyramids. I promise you that. Um, but, but, it was such a pleasure to work with ancient aliens. I'm going to be completely honest. I know there's a lot of criticism of the show and I have been there and I know that. Um, but everyone I worked with was amazing. They really were passionate about the information um, that I was bringing to them. So yeah, look for me on the upcoming season of ancient aliens on the history channel. The premiere is January 7th. Look for some other familiar faces as well coming to you. Um, a new season of Mysteries Decoded is also going to be starting in 2022. Um, I went out and investigated more UFOs with my co-host, Jennifer Marshall, a private investigator, a former Navy veteran. And uh, we went out and 
investigated one of the most famous UFO events of all time. And uh, we even found some new information and witnesses to come forward. So be on the lookout for that sometime in 2022 on the CW Network. That's Mysteries Decoded. Um, We're coming at you guys again with some awesome mysteries that need to be decoded. Did we decode them? You'll find out. Um, And other than that, I have a co-host coming to Somewhere in the Sky, several co-hosts, to be honest, that are going to come in and help me with interviews and um, and do some interviews of their own for the show so that I can focus on bringing you guys more case histories and doing more research and making the show even bigger and better and broadening that scope here at Somewhere in the Skies. So be on the lookout for an announcement of who our mystery co-hosts are going to be very soon here at Somewhere in the Skies. And um, other than that, I just want to thank you guys for an incredible year at Somewhere in the Skies. Our numbers have more than doubled since uh, the previous year. Um, I still can't believe that people watch and listen to what I have to say about UFOs. And yes, I do work very hard at what I do. And it's so good to be appreciated for that. But I have to thank you for even coming along for that and supporting me along the way and sharing the show on social media and um, giving me your comments and, and just being there, being there to be a part of this community that um, can be frustrating at times. But at the end of the day, I do consider a lot of you, my close friends and colleagues, and we are all in this together. And um, you have not shown that more than with your support for Summer in the Skies this past year. So to every single one of you who's ever downloaded the show, the podcast, watched these YouTube live streams, watched the show, shared it, um, given patronage, I truly, truly appreciate it. And you make more of a difference in my life than I think you'll ever truly know. So to all of you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for an amazing year at Summer in the Skies. I, I, I could not mean that more sincerely and genuinely. I appreciate every single one of you. So thank you, thank you. Um, and other than that, guys, that's going to cut it. What I'm going to leave you with right now is um, a fun little uh, joke that I had with some of our guests um, that I thought we'd end a little lighthearted. Um, so check out this little, not even blooper. I kept it in the episode, but it was a lot of fun. So I'm going to play that for you and then take you out with one of my favorite songs. Check it out. And John created this like 3,000 page long index and you can search everything if you want to find out something about that. So that's awesome because the government doesn't do the work, but John's doing that work. Yeah, JFK ass. I thought that's what you were searching for. <laughs> you know, it's just a trick. You don't have to spell the whole word and it'll pop up. <laughs> Um, no, this is. A I didn't. I didn't example. quite realize I did. I blasted ass on your show right now. Um, that sweet JFK ass. That's what you get here on somewhere in the skies. Yeah, I mean, John, if so, you want a FOIA that, I'd be the first to read it, sir. That's uh, that's a that's a different that's a different black a ball different, we're talking yep. about. Different show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is. Yeah. So I thought that would be a good way to end this conversation with John Greenwald of the Black Vault blasting ass on Somewhere in the Skies. <laughs> and, um, other than that, check us out every Monday at somewhereintheskies.com, um, wherever you get your podcasts or right here on YouTube. Awesome stuff coming this year. I can't wait to share it all with you guys. 
And um, I'm going to leave you with that. A very, very happy holiday season. Happy New Year to all of you. May it be full of revelations and uh, realizations, discoveries, and um, and time with those you love and cherish. So once again, from the bottom of my ufological heart, thank you for an amazing year of Summer in the Skies. And I am going to leave you with the Buchanan brothers singing When the Flying Saucers Come. Thank you. Keep looking up. Keep your feet on the ground, but never stop searching somewhere in the skies. Happy New Year. You better pray to the Lord when you see those flying saucers. It may be the coming of the judgment day. It's a sign there's no doubt of the trouble that's about. So I say, my friend, you'd better start to pray. is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.